and welcome to Big Gay Energy. I'm Bree. I'm Theora. And I'm Caitlin. Come along with us while we dive into the fun and nuances of queer media. Representation matters, and we're here to talk about it. We're back. Woo! Did you miss us? I was gonna literally say that. <laughs> Stop! The brain cell is like divided now. Uh, honest answers only. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, no, we didn't. Like, no. <laughs> Fuck you guys. Well, fine. We're gonna talk about this episode anyway. Why are you listening? <laughs> Yeah, if you're listening to this, then then you're the masochist. Also, thanks for hate listening. We appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, we do. Uh, so, episode nine this week. Yes. A uh, <laughs> lot happening in this episode. I forgot how much happened in this episode. It not gonna lie. It feels like three episodes. It does. <laughs> it uh, Yeah, it does. It has like three very strong, three slash four, I guess, really strong parallel stories happening all at once that are divided pretty equally, which is not usually how Motherland goes. Like, usually there's, like, an A plot that, like, takes up most of the time and then, like, the B, C plots. But this one's, like, pretty balanced with the other stories. So maybe that's why it felt like multiple episodes in one. I believe you are correct. And the title of this one is Mother of All, Mother of None. Uh, Written by Brian Q. Miller and directed by... David Frazé? Frazé? I have no idea. I literally went through the same two pronunciations in my head. David F. And then I... David F. And then I added a third. I'm sorry, David. Frazé. Frazé. That's my other... Yeah. Frazé. So, we're going to start this one off with a bang because... Guess who shows up for Nikta's interrogation? (sighs) The HBIC. <laughs> She's alive. So we see Alder meeting a motorcade, and first Silver steps out, and in my head, it's just like boom. Yep. Oh, there's many notes in mine that just says, ew, gross. I hate you, <laughs> <laughs> the devil. <laughs> uh, and Alder's like, well, you didn't have to show up for this. Like, I basically, I don't need you. Why are you here? facts this is not a good thing i don't want you knowing any of this information and he's like well it wasn't my choice and then wade steps out guess what (laughs) hbic in town so yeah and the the words that she utters is where's nicta baton good question (laughs) and that powerful commanding voice yes uh so Basically, <clears throat> what we have here is the president's tired of being out of the loop and she knows all the shit that's going on. She's been she's been uh, having some chit chats with somebody that has inside information. Mm-hmm. And so here she is. She's shown up for Nikta's interrogation and they're all inside when we see them next. And we watch as a witch tries to get into Nikta's head and extract information like we've seen them do before. But Nikta somehow incinerates the witch. (laughs) Her power is so good. Theora is swooning. Yes, I love her. And what I love about this was her quippy line afterwards. It was very Buffy to me. 
Mm-hmm. Was it something I thought? Yeah, I love it. Beautiful. No, thank you, Brian, for I that line. Thought. I love it, Ecta. Love it. That that lady just she she just poofed like it was she was gone in an instant. I know. I love that the no one cleans the ashes in this room <laughs> to either. Know, it's so like, fun. There's like fuck. All right, whatever. <laughs> just leave it there. Yeah, I don't know. Like you it's guys funny. got a broom somewhere, right? <laughs> I assume, but who knows? Is there any Fantasia cleaning that uh, could be going on? Bewitched mops and brooms. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That'd be so funny, wouldn't it? it Fantasia would. meets Motherland, Fort Salem. They're like no, as they're like congregated by that window, there's just like the music start. No, you hear the music no matter what, and you, they start hearing music, yeah. and there's like the brooms and mops start coming in the room, exactly. and Isadora's like not. Now, and they leave. That's what she was doing off screen. Bonus segment. I love it. I love it. Because you know she's not cleaning the necro lab, and that place no. has to be like no. sterile and spotless. So she's got bewitched cleaning th- supplies. She sure does. Yeah. She does, and the assistant sent them in, but Isadora's like, hello, not now. Not now. <laughs> the Wade mm-hmm. is just like, what in the fuck is happening? I hate coming to this place. <laughs> I hate that I have to be here. Yeah. But I'm glad Again. you're alive, queen. Yeah, for real, because it was touch. It seemed touch and go there it, for a hot minute. It sure does. You were under the weather for a season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, geez. I mean, I guess... I assume that puppeting and pushing can do a number on your brain, so... Oh, I'm sure. But, I mean... To a degree, like a traumatic brain injury. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure there was lingering effects from that, for sure. But I feel like the Camarilla was poisoning her or some shit. Oh, yeah. And I also have some lingering effects from all of the incineration that just happened. Well, yes. (laughs) Who doesn't feel those sapphic vapors? Uh, only the heartless. <laughs> only the heartless. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty much. I just love the end, the very end of that scene after Nicta incinerates the woman, the way she stares down Alder through the window. Oh, God, and it's yeah. just like, checkmate, bitch. <laughs> it's so yeah. good. Balls in your court. Cause it's because like no because like Nikta honestly has a bunch of tricks Alder has no idea about so she's like yep look what oh, I yeah. can do mm-hmm. yeah she's been coming mm-hmm. up with new work for all those years exactly so I love that she's like she finally has this opportunity to like show that off to Alder and is like checkmate bitch you scared I you scared if Alder, <laughs> I don't I think that's like one of the things that Alder has no idea how she did that so yep that's what I mean yeah Nikta is yeah. Uh, is quite the opponent. Oh, well. What can you do? Uh, enjoy. Enjoy the glory of that moment. So, yep. yep. After that, we cut into the War College common room where Anacostia and the unit are hanging out on the couches, like around a coffee table, sharing a bottle of whiskey. They're all laughing and celebrating. And essentially, the unit's like reminiscing about their break and like affectionately was like isn't that funny when we tried to murder each other like oh my god guys <laughs> so weird <laughs> what a wild break and Anacostia is like 
uh, eating this up a bit. And she's like, wow, I am so glad you guys are not my problem anymore because look at you. <laughs> but um, I am low-key proud that you three pains in the ass brought the founder of the spree in. So like, good on you. At least you're good for something. And they all cheers at that because, I mean, that is quite an accomplishment for a group of 18-year-olds. So good job, guys. And then Rayo kind of gets like a little candid after that and thanks Anacostia for doing whatever the fuck she was doing with Scylla uh, mysteriously and covertly because whatever it was they did, it brought Rael and her mother back together and Rael and Scylla back in each other's orbits. And she's like, you know, the reason I'm alive is because of whatever you were doing because they came and saved me. So thank you. I wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for whatever you were doing, Anacostia. And she raises her mug and does like a toast to Anacostia. And everyone chimes in. And then Anacostia says, to Willa Collar, which, great, but rude, because she leaves out Scylla. Like, what the fuck? Like, once again, it's like, here's people ignoring the fact that Scylla was also a hero in this story. And they're just like, Willa, we'll ignore <laughs> ignore the other one. But whatever. So cute bonding moment with uh, Mama Costia. And as they're, like, f- doing their final cheers, Petra comes in the room to grab Tally. And she's like, well, Nick does asking for you. Like, ooh, la, la. And she won't talk to anybody else. Tally, we need you. And the rest of the unit's like, wait, what the fuck? Like, this is, like, danger, danger. We want to go with her. And Petra shuts that shit down. She's like, listen, Nickta only asked for Tally. So I'm only going to bring her Tally. Because Petra is determined to see Alder go down and is super eager to just give Nickta everything she wants. Because Petra still doesn't know the full story of everything. And she knows Tally does. And is like, this, you need to, like, get Nickta to talk in front of the president so I can be in charge. So, like, come on, Tally. And only Tally. And they peace out of there. Um, I'd like to revisit them toasting about their, or drinking and whatnot about their little break, because what you said made me think of, like, they had a wild time in Panama City Beach. (laughs) They did. What happens in the Camarilla compound stays in the Camarilla compound. Oh, wait, no, the the Nicta's cabin. Whatever, I like that better. Whatever happens in Nicta's cabin stays in Nick's cabin. Nick's cabin. All the literally, murder the and litter- are still there. Right, exactly. It all stays there. Does Nick even own that cabin? <laughs> no. no. I don't think it's she does. Nick's cabin. I love That's her some so much. random person's hunting cabin that yeah. she procured. And then they come back and they're like, what the fuck? Is- <laughs> Who are these dead bitches? They're dead bodies <laughs> in here. bodies in here. And, and it's got mel- <laughs> mel- melted metal all over them. Is this a cloak? What year is this? <laughs> Satanic rituals! <laughs> yeah, so Nick does just be gay, do crime. That's Nick to Batan. I love her so much. Yeah, that needs to be a t-shirt. Be gay, do crime. Yeah, be gay, do crime, Nick to Batan. Uh, so, the fun time of toasting and drinking whiskey uh is over and we're gonna go to kalita who's meditating you know as kalita does sure <laughs> this is what she does in her spare time <laughs> off screen she's meditating. she does in her spare time she's communing with the ancestors that's what we'll say or something i don't know but uh, uh hey my theory is she's actually talking with the mycelium could be Commuting with the so, ancestors. Yeah. So Adil walks in and she asks him where he's been. And he says, making the world a safer place for our people. 
which she sees right through all of that mess and probably has some way to sense everything that he did while he was gone. And then she she's like, you killed somebody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I love that he doesn't answer this question. He just like uh, yeah. keeps going. So I found that really interesting that he's like, whatever, but like baby witches and cages, <laughs> etc. <cetera. laughs> so yeah, he's like, uh, justification, justification. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And Cleta's so, like, yeah. Hmm. Interesting brother of mine. But the big, the big thing comes when she goes, you liked it, didn't you? That's exactly. the part that really, uh, because I, uh, it's like she can feel his satisfaction. The part of him that's satisfied by getting justice for the witches that the Camarilla people were torturing, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and he goes off a little bit on how the Camarilla think of them as animals and they steal their voices to use against them. But Kalita uh, stays stalwart in her beliefs and says that that's all the more reason to stay quiet. So she's still on the turn the other cheek path. And he says that they won't survive if they continue that. And she replies, well, then they won't. Okay, fine. Then we'll die off and peace will die with us, you know? And then she does the ultimate slap in the face, which is take the ampule of blood that he wears around his neck so that he can find her with the blood compass if he needs to and just pulls it off. And then she does that whole dramatic exit after staring at him for a hot minute to let the point sink in. Yeah, and so it's a sad scene because, like, you know, we found out, I didn't remember if it was the last episode episode before, like, basically they're the last members of their family kind of thing. And so it's very sad for the two of them to part kind of like this because they're the only family they have left, but it's, they're parting on a difference of ideology. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, what a sad place to like draw the line in the sand and like be like, well, if something bad happens to me, now you can't find me, like whatever. It's almost like yeah. we're not. I've disowned you. Yeah, exactly. It's like we're not family anymore kind of thing. So, um, and it speaks to like uh, Kalita's commitment to like the traditions of her people and the fact that she can't really see his perspective. It's kind of like an emotional response in a way or just this clinging to her ideology without empathizing with what Adil just mm-hmm. went through and his perspective because I mean he grew up in the same culture as her a thousand years of pacifism we saw him really struggling with his own actions that she's essentially grilling him on and so it's like it's weird to see her she's like the big stoic wise one just like not even try to like empathize or like see his perspective she's just like no this was wrong End of story. I'm disowning you. Goodbye. See, it's very age appropriate for her actual age. Right. That's what I'm saying. Way. It's almost out of character for like Kalita, like the anointed one. But like it's it's like a sibling getting mad at their older brother behavior. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. So I feel like based on that behavior that this must really invoke an actual emotional response from Kalita and this must really be heartbreaking to her because we really see her 
act on her emotions unless she's like pissed off at Alder. That's kind of the only emotion we ever see from her. So like this must be like a betrayal of trust in a way to her and uh-huh. must, yeah, hurt her deeply for her to behave like this. Cause it seems irrational, like for her, almost like she's emotional yeah. about it. So it's very, it's very sad and poor Tareem babies. Uh, poor Tareem babies. Yeah. So after that, like sibling squabble, we shoot on over to the gays. So meanwhile, in the session, Scylla's chilling. Happiness. Scylla's chilling at the collar house, like walking around the kitchen like she owns the place. And she's on the phone with Rail, who's back at War College. And in this scene, I want to highlight a couple of things. So Scylla has her little like feather necklace. It's exposed on her like neck. So it's like hope is not is like out in the open she's not she doesn't think it's fragile it's like she's very in a good positive headspace right now when it comes to rail and on rail's side she's on the payphone because technology and <laughs> she her uniform is open so and her medal's out so it's almost like her emotional guard is down when she's on the phone with Scylla so it's like signifying based on their wardrobe that they're in a more honest, vulnerable place with each other, which is a big step from where they were kind of in the last episode. So it's like signifying their progression, essentially. And while Rail's on the phone with Scylla, she's like smiling the whole time and like playing with the phone cord like she's nervous, which is adorable. So they're both visibly in a better place, like you can see by their behavior and like their clothing. And so they're, it, they're adorable. That's all like, that's all I, I just watch this scene over and over. And I'm like, oh, every time there's something more cute. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's, it's very cute. And it's a big, it, it's just, it's indicating like their, again, their progression from just like, ugh, spree girl, you're alive. I hate you to like, oh, live with my dad to like, so clearly like they've been communicating and like there's trust building again between the two of them. So there's like hope for a, trustful future between them essentially and a lot of that's like kind of conveyed in this dialogue as well so in the conversation Scylla is basically filling rail in on the fact that like okay yeah clearly we're in the session that's how you're talking to me your dad's doing great Tiffany's here they're getting along I met Quinn she's cool and it's gonna look for a Dodger family for Tiffany because apparently Quinn just knows all the Dodgers (laughs) where's Quinn's backstory so that's what's happening there and like Rail's excited about all this. She's like beaming. Her dad's good with kids and is happy that this is going well. And then they, Scylla pivots the conversation into like slightly more awkward territory. She's like, yeah, everything's going great with your dad. But like, <laughs> I'm lying by omission to this man. So does he know? Like, does your dad know? And Scylla's asking him, like, does he, does, uh, does your dad know that like, I used to kill civilians and I'm a terrorist. Does he know this? Because, like, I'm living in his house, walking around like I own the place. What a loaded question. So, yeah, exactly. So, like, Scylla has to feel super guilty about this because, like, this was all Rail's idea. And, like, again, once again, Scylla is meeting a collar under the guise of deception yet again. And she's like, I feel really bad because he's being great and, like, giving me his house. But, like does he know who I am? Like, what the fuck? Rael's brain is in one place. No. So Rael, again, is in this honest kind of situation with Scylla and, like, shows all her cards where her head's at. And she says about us, like, does he know, does he know that you're the one that I used to call him crying about? Does he know that? (laughs) Because that's also awkward. 
because uh, at this moment, like Rael's being 100% vulnerable. She doesn't even like think about that response. She just, she says that. And Scylla's was not expecting this because that's how she was asking and just runs with her hope. And, and she pushes a little bit and she's like, well, is there an us to know about? Like, should I know about this us? <laughs> you seem mm-hmm. to think there's one, which is, I wasn't expecting that, but also like, now I have more Yay. hope. Exactly. <laughs> this conversation is all about hope. And Rael just like, is like, ah, fuck. <laughs> I stepped into that one, didn't I? <laughs> yes, Rael. Yes, you did. And Scylla, to her credit, Disaster like. Disaster game moment. <laughs> yeah. Scylla, to her credit, like, is like, okay, that's enough hope. Let's not shatter it. Just like, leaves it at that and clarifies like, no, like, does he know, like, I was in the spree and like, worked with your mother and like, all this crazy shit, which does uh, anyway whatever let's move past it and rail's like well listen my dad's been involved with like witch business long enough to know not to ask too many questions <laughs> it's it's because it's usually classified so so I was like all right she kind of thinks about that for a second and it's like okay and rail kind of pushes her luck with Scylla and it's like well how are you doing like I want to know about you that Tiffany stuff is all great my dad's great but whatever how are you doing because that's, that's where my head's at and so they're like, yeah, I'm doing good. Um, I made a new friend. And like she turns to the window and a giant blackbird like lands on the window. So and she like they like look at each other like they know each other. And this is the bird she met in the woods because <laughs> revisit our last episode for those details. <laughs> this bird <laughs> helped Scylla get out of the woods. That's how they made, became friends. He saved her life. <laughs> and it's a collared crow. <laughs> exactly. So revisit the last episode for the details but they're they are friends now he saved her life <laughs> and so then we cut away Asilla can't cannot can't stay away from the collars in one shape or form she even even out in the wilderness she finds a collared crow to lead her to back to civilization and that's probably the first caller she ever met and was super honest with right off the bat she's like listen bitch i am uh, lost i don't know what the fuck going on <laughs> my name's Scylla. <laughs> my name's Scylla. what's your name i used okay. to be in the spree i wasn't but you don't care because you're a bird <laughs> this, isn't, this isn't your fight <laughs> help me out of these woods so where's the interstate yeah <laughs> where's the which way is the session Oh, shit, I gotta get Tiffany first. I'll explain who Tiffany is on the way, and then we'll go. (laughs) So, there's a girl named Tiffany, and I need to know (laughs) how to get to her. And then we gotta go to Quint. Just write all these names down. (laughs) Yeah, just get your your, your little claws of work in. So, yeah, that's that's how they met. (laughs) I love our crow head head cannon. (laughs) Yeah. Because I was always like, where the fuck did she find this bird? And I was like, in the woods. Yeah. She was trapped in those woods. So let's not lie to ourselves and found the yeah, bird. Yeah, let's not. It was, so lie to ourselves. It was a f- she didn't know fairy those woods. tale meeting. <laughs> yeah. Into the woods, out of the woods. Exactly. With the crow. Yeah, that whole scene is such a nice and hopeful thing. I remember seeing it for the first time when the episode aired and... I think I may have screamed a little bit. Uh, and, and like, you had the kiss last episode, but this episode with them continuing to talk about it, you knew that there was going to be a swift development in that area. So it was nice to see. And that's 
how I feel about that whole situation. Yeah, it's nice to see the progression, but it's also good that it's like, they're not there yet. Like, it's it, exactly. it takes time. It's, yeah. They're working on their stuff. Yeah, like, people are upset about them not being together more in this season, and I just think that this is, this is the logical path. Like, this is, you can't just... I agree. Visit our prior episodes to hear us rant about that. (laughs) Exactly. But yeah, like the progression is good. It's like they're they're getting there. They're building a new foundation and that takes time. And so that's what we see in this exchange. It's like it's moving forward, but like they're not there yet. They're but they're you're getting there, you know. They're not there yet, but Rail is obviously thinking (laughs) about Scylla an awful lot. So yeah, progress. Progress. So back to the whole Nicta situation. Ooh. Petra uh, brings Tally in, and I, Tally's face, like, damn, she's looking a little like she looks terrified, but also determined. Mm-hmm. And that's how I would feel too, considering a woman just got incinerated. What Tally doesn't know that. So, oh, hopefully Petra didn't tell her that. But Alder tells her that she doesn't have to do this, but Tally thinks it's important to hear what Nikta has to say. So she goes into the cell, and you hear the ashes of the woman that was in there before crackling under her shoes as she walks over them. (laughs) Those were a pretty stark kind of thing going on there. And uh, so immediately Nikta's in a very different mood than she was earlier it feels like uh, charming with a dash of flirty McFlirt face. Like she's a little bit smitten mm-hmm. with Tally, but I think it, it's a. Uh, there are a lot of layers to that. Yeah. Question with this Nicta flirting, because it's flirting. Let's be real. Now, was Nicta, because like, think of her audience when she's doing this. Oh, there's here, and like, the poor president who's just getting traumatized by the second one all these damn witches was nicta flirting with tally because she wants to flirt with tally or was she doing it to make alder jealous or both i was gonna say yes both both is good yes i love it Porque no los dos. Mm-hmm. uh nicta hero She's trying to she's trying to get under in my opinion she's trying to get under Alder's skin sure and at is. the same time she's also getting under Tally's skin in a very different way because no one says you could hardly blame me for stealing that face look at those dimples I could winter summer in one and winter in the other or reverse that but you get what I mean that's not something you say to somebody that you just no. Like, to any, who do you say that to? Who do you say that to? <laughs> right, Arlen. This is what I was talking about. Arlen, listen. <laughs> this is what I was talking about when I said Nicta's charming. <laughs> this, it's this. This, like there, there is Arlen. no heterosexual explanation for this line. <laughs> who says this? Uh, that's that's a reference to us, our little chat we had with her, but. You'll um, hear all about that later. But yeah, this yeah, is what I was know. talking about. Nikta is charming when she wants to be. When she wants to be, she turns it on. And it's very It's on. Obvious. Oh, it's on. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Tally is... 
Tally's gonna kind of ignore all of that. <laughs> Tally Somehow. doesn't know what to do with that. She's like, she I just doesn't. got flirted with that <laughs> Tally. Like, okay. She don't know what's going on. Putting that aside, and she starts to ask about how many spree cells are in operation after the attack that happened on the spree leadership. Nikta bats that away with wipe one out, wipe out at 100, you can't stop an idea. And Tally goes on to pull out more questions, names of cell leaders, failing that locations. But <laughs> basically, Tally tries to recruit. I mean, all Nikta tries to recruit Tally right in front of Alder. But I mean, like, Alder, you're wasting her. You know, she should come join us. And really, it it's not. It's just not working out. Like they're not getting any information. And Tally points out that civilians might have a higher opinion of witches if Nikta would stop murdering them. <laughs> and that kind of gets Nikta on track to the point because her response is how many witches died in military engagements in the last year. Run that against the number of civilian deaths attributed to the spree. And this is takes everyone aback because... The spree is killing one civilian for every witch that dies in combat. So that's a big, big thing for everyone to swallow. And I think that that revelation prompts Tally to get dig down deeper, literally and figuratively, by kneeling down and tells Nikta to answer her questions. But Nikta says, that's not why I asked for you. I want someone asking the questions who's interested in the truth. So we see what Nikta's play was. It was the same as Petra's, basically. Like, I know this is going to bring, I know Tally's going to get her, give her an opportunity to tell the truth in front of the president and, and the vice president. Alder at that point slams her hand against the glass and says that this is getting them nowhere and dismisses Tally. But Tally ignores Alder because she's on a mission and no one's going to stop her. And she asks Nikta how many civilians died in the very first spree attack. Nikta's response is, that's easy. One for one for every one of Esterbrook's rebels in Liberi Liberia. And basically, Nikta outs Alder for killing, killing the rebels with Nikta's own work without telling her and then says that she used that same work to start the spree. And that's why Alder er, tried to erase her from history. So huge revelation in front of the people that matter power-wise. And that prompts the president to tell Alder that they need to have a little chit-chat about the future. And that Petra's going to come along. So... That indicates that there's going to be some kind of exchange of power and that now they have a good reason to dethrone Alder from being the head of the army. So Nikta gets to tell her truth to the people, civilian powers that be, and Tally's the kind of vehicle that gets her there. So lots of lots of important information in, in this one short ish scene. 
Yeah, this scene is awesome for a lot of reasons. Not just because of Nikta's disaster flirting, which is amazing, but um, it really highlights what the Spree's message was really all along. Like, Nikta had this very, like, eye-for-an-eye kind of logic when it came to the death toll. And there was actually a message behind what the Spree was doing. But you see from... You see from the reactions uh, outside of, you know, Nikta's cell, that that message was lost in translation because Silver, Camarilla Silver, is like, what? Like, he didn't understand what the spree was really doing. Like, nobody really understood what the spree was doing. I think narratively they got written off as just like, well, they're a terrorist organization, they do bad things. And so because of that, Nikta's message of like what she was trying to accomplish was completely lost. And so it just looked like they were this group of witches who were just killing civilians just because and you know controlling the narrative is probably what the Camarilla did because it worked to their advantage and once you control the media you kind of control the people so that's kind of the move there but like I don't think Nikta really saw how her message was just being erased and so I think Mm -hmm. this is the first time that that truth was really coming to light not just the alder created the spree but like what the spree was actually trying to do was shocking to like everybody in that room including Mm -hmm. like the witches like the army that was fighting them they're like we didn't know this is what you were doing like nobody knew that so like bad PR on the spree's side hey Nick to write a manifesto or something she probably has one. <laughs> the Batwoman. <laughs> Release it. Release anything. I will re- eat that shit Nikta up. needed better PR and I could have done it for her. Nikta needs a hug, first of all. And, uh, yeah. You take care of the hug. I'll do the PR. Got it. But, uh, yeah, I think that that's really important because, you know, the whole time that we've been introduced to the spree, it's just we were shown the perspective that they're evil and they're bad. And then we're like, well, they kind of came from this place of being fucked over by Alder. But really what they were trying to accomplish was like evening the death toll between all the witches who are dying for hum- the, the civilians by killing civilians. Be like, how do you like it? Um, but it obviously didn't play out that way because they just got written off as this terrorist organization. And... Uh, I think the other piece I love in this, besides Petra's super smug face <laughs> when Nectar reveals that Alder made the spree, which is great. Petra's like, ha ha, I knew it, bitch. <laughs> You're done. Um, I think it's very significant in these exchanges and even at the end of the last episode that Nicta calls Alder Sarah. Like, she doesn't call her Alder. She calls her Sarah. She's like the only person that does that. And I think Mm -hmm. it's significant because it's like a disrespect in a way because she's almost like Nikta's almost refusing to acknowledge that Alder, you know, to acknowledge her as like General Alder or like the war hero she's painted to be or like some kind of big leader. She's instead bringing Alder down to her level as if to, to say, hey, you're Sarah, you're a witch just like me, just like all of us. Like, remember that you're just a witch at the end of the day. And that's how they see you. So I love that she only chooses to call her by her first name. I think that's significant for Nikta. Absolutely. Yeah. Love it. All right. So after that fun exchange, we unfortunately leave Nikta and hard cut into General Alder's office where Wade and the gang are held up with Alder, the biddies, and Petra, VP Silver, I think. And Wade is just like passively, aggressively... (laughs) 
going off on Alder about like the past and the future of Alder's role in American history. And all and Wade's just like, yeah, you did a good air quotes. Uh, you did some good air quotes, but uh, you crossed a fuck ton of lines along the way, Miss Alder. And Alder tries to like defend herself and be like, yeah, I'm shady, but so are you, Wade. And Wade's like, um, of course I am. I'm a politician. <laughs> of course I'm shady. <laughs> but I didn't commit half a dozen war crimes, send a bunch of untrained cadets to face the spree, killing one in the process, and then create the damn spree. Now did I, Alder? <laughs> I'm shady, but I'm not your level of shady. And Alder tries to rationalize her actions as being like, she turns on the propaganda and she's like, well, I did it for the good of America. I saved lives. I did what was in the best interest of. And she's trying to say America again, but Wade cuts her off and she's like, you did what was in the best interest for yourself. Period. That's what you did. We, we all saw that. And the camera at this line pans to Petra, who looks just smug as fuck. And I love it. <laughs> <laughs> she's just having the best day ever. And <laughs> Petra's a Cheshire cat right on the other side. It's like, girl, you... You you look so happy about this. No one could ever think that you were in any way, shape, or form like stoic or <laughs> you just look like a Cheshire cat over there grinning. Yeah, I mean, Petra's finally getting what she wants because like Petra was supposed to be in charge of the army like in season one, but Alder stopped mm-hmm. it by committing a war crime. So Petra's like, finally, this is all coming to light. Maybe I'll finally fucking get what I want. And Wade is, while Petra is smiling and cheesing in the background, Wade keeps reading Alder to filth. And she's like, reading her laundry list of all the shit she just did. She's like, listen, you, Alder, were attacked, didn't go up the chain of command and tell me, your boss, me, your boss, that this happened. Then you puppeted me, that was fun, and then pushed me again into agreeing to the testing center. (laughs) Petra chimes in after this and she's like, great job, Wade. All those witch terms were totally appropriate. Like, good job, girl. (laughs) Can't wait for you to be my boss. (laughs) before you came in. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, just Petra's just trying to keep face, hoping Wade will finally give her that promotion. She's like, great job, Mm -hmm. you know which things and alder is just super over all of this and she's like listen the past is in the past like whatever i can't change it how do we just move forward now from this and wade grabs all the big witch energy in the room she has so much and she's not even a witch she grabs all of it and starts monologuing and i'm sure she's practiced this conversation like a million times like she's like sat in front of the mirror and like spouts all the things she ever wanted to say to alder Like, if she could finally best her and, like, here's her moment and she shines, boy, does she shine. And she's, like, based on the state of the country, with tensions high between the civilians and the witches, it is best that your connection to Nycta and the founding of the spree never leaves this room. Like, it's going to be our secret. That's the way this is going to go. And as she's talking, she starts, like, circling Alder like a shark going in for the kill. And Wade continues... Alder, you delivered this country a major victory by capturing Nikta Batan. And now you're going to step down with distinction. And so really what Alder, what Wade just did is she took Alder's master plan of delivering a win against the spree, because that's why Alder was hellbent on like killing Nikta. And now Wade is using that against her to be like, yep, you did a good thing. Now you're going to step down on a high note. That's how we're going to play this. It's PR. It's good for everybody. The witches look good. I look good. And then I get rid of you, which is what I wanted. So Wade is like winning the chess match right now. And then it cuts to Alder. And Lynn 
Ma'am, those facial twitches you give, like someone give her an award for that because the micro the micro acting in the scene is just glorious. It's just like this quiet fury on her face. <sighs> it like gives you a chill, just the way that she uh you could see that little tremble in her jawline where it's just like yeah, clenched. The face and, twitches. Oh. oh, it's so good. And it's oh. just like, this is like the death blow from Wade. And even Petra in this moment, when Wade like says this, like, or when, when Alder starts cracking, like Petra looks even like shaken by this because Alder never breaks down and like, Shows, yeah, yeah, here she is. Like, wow. Like really like. Fuck. gotten to the point where she's her wall is breaking oh it's it's like the crumbling of a mountain is what's happening right now yeah. this big formidable thing that's been there for like generations is just like all crumbling and you're what and it's I, and like petra's like yeah i wanted this to happen but like to see it happen is a different thing to than to imagine it happening and it's like wow this is the great alder like being brought down like wow alder's always been there and always been a constant in her power and her control and now she's lost it all really she's lost her control lost, her status yeah. she's in the unknown for the first time in a very long time and like it shakes everybody in the room and the yeah it, it's oof oof indeed and then to find out that they're going to stop the biddy program I think they say that later, but yeah, which is essentially a death sentence to Alder. And <clears throat> so after the crumbling of Alder, we're going to check in with Rael and Abigail, who are in the mycelium room illegally. Abigail, anyway. And we know Isadora would not would not be approving of this. Never. <laughs> so they're staring at the mycelium and abigail's like i kind of expected more like what what do you <laughs> it's just a fuzzy wall <laughs> like what is what is this business this is where the power is <laughs> she's i don't know what she expected but it was something a lot more impressive in her mind than what she got and then she asks if she can touch it. And Rail says, well, she'll let you know if you, if you can't. So basically, it's like, you're going to let Abigail touch the touch the wall. I mean, it's probably not going to kill her, but... <laughs> Abigail approaches the mycelium, but before she can touch it, Isadora comes in and is like, this is a confidential project. The fuck are you doing here? And Rael says that she thought Abigail at least deserved to know where the witch bomb comes from. But Isadora is in charge. This is her domain, remember? Except she's not in charge of everything because Rael's been pulled from active duty to do a PR tour of the states and tell everyone how to that they should find their voices. So whoever's idea this was, uh, no one's happy about it. Not Isadora, not Rael, definitely not Abigail, not me. So we go like from there to they meet up with Tally somewhere and they're walking outside. And 
Tally and Abigail are making fun of Rahel because to think of her as the poster girl for army recruitment is funny to them and to me because she's just, you know, that's not who you think of when you're like, yeah, that one needs to recruit people for the army. Rahel loves the army. Yeah, she loves it. Remember, she said it in season one. (laughs) Canon. (laughs) Canon. Rahel loves the army. (laughs) So... As they're walking along discussing this and making fun of Rael, you see cadets crying and whispering to the on the periphery of their little jaunt, which they notice eventually. And then they come up to M, who's speaking to a group of cadets, and Rael asks what's going on. And M turns around and says, Older stepping down. Tally is like, okay, but why? And M says, like, does it matter? And Tally's like, uh, yeah, it does. People need to know why. And M says that Alder's going out on a high note uh, after capturing Nicta. Yeah, sure, you totally did that. Ask Abigail. She, she'll tell you. But uh, Tally is pissed because that's not the whole story. And she wants, she thinks everyone should know the truth. And I tend to agree about things like that. But it's kind of interesting to see how they're playing it. They're they're always withholding information from everyone. And you get it to an you get it to an extent, but also this is like a huge thing that I feel like the people in general deserve to know. Yeah, it's probably going to stoke some of that anti-witch whatnot, but I don't know. I'm with Tally on this one. So. Yeah, I mean, Tally's just like the truth seeker. That's just who she is. But also it's more like frustration that Alder just keeps getting away with all this shit. Mm-hmm. Like, constantly. She's seen her firsthand commit a bunch of, like, acts of, like, lying, lying by omission, lying on purpose. This was a direct cover-up of altering history. And she's just like, why the fuck do you get away with all this stuff and nothing happens to you? This is bullshit. And now, like, they're going to kill Nikta because of your bullshit. So, and, and, you know, I'll get into it in the next scene, what I think is going on with Tally. But anyway... Any more to add? I really like when they put M into scenes. It makes me happy. Yeah, M is awesome. But I love that they're also reminding you, remember, they're not just a unit. They're a coven. They're a coven. So after Tally gets in a huff at that scene, she marches over to the dungeon to see Nicta. As you do. As one does. And I need to note the lighting here is like super green. There's like in the in the dungeon, wherever they are, there's a lot of green light. But then when the door closes behind Tally and goes, she goes into the jail cell with Nicta. So Nicta's in, on the left side of the frame, like behind bars. And then Tally's on the right. It's very green light, but there's a... Uh, 
spotlights in there that gives like a gold like lesbian Jesus light, which is where Nekta gets her flirting powers from. <laughs> but it's like it's kind of like a life and death kind of conversation that they're about to have, like figuratively. But I find the shadowing in this scene very interesting because Nikta's the one that's being cast as like the wrongdoer. She's the one that's about to get executed for her, you know, choices for her crimes that she committed. But on the left hand side of the frame, uh, Nikta has some shadows on her and behind her, but like she's mostly in the light. Whereas Tally on the right-hand side of the frame is mostly in the shadow. So it's almost like this, like, symbolic uh, shadowing and lighting of, like, their headspaces and kind of where this conversation goes. Because in the conversation, Nikta becomes very honest with Tally. Like, very honest. Whereas Tally is almost in this place where she feels like she's being forced to lie again because her whole goal was to tell the truth but here we are back in the same situation where Alder's lying, Alder's gonna do a cover-up, everyone's gonna be forced to like do what Alder says and so it's like this conflict with the truth and it's being highlighted by like the shadow versus the lighting so good on you lighting crew. And Nikta off the bat <laughs> shamelessly flirts with Tally again because that's just what she does. And she's like, hey, Red, new shampoo. And it's like, what was, what was this line? What, what is this line? <laughs> <laughs> like, can you what? smell it from over there? I don't know. Are you just saying her hair is shiny? Right. I don't understand this line. <laughs> like, good on you, Nikta. She's a disaster gate. I love her. But like, what was this line? Mm-hmm. Because like, it, it could it could signify like your hair looks good. But like, Tally's hair is like tied up behind her back. I don't understand where this line came from. Nikta just has a thing for redheads is what I'm getting from this. But anyway, I think that's what this is. (laughs) So what a line out of nowhere. And so (laughs) she's been hanging out with bats for too long. (laughs) (laughs) Hanging out with bats. (laughs) But her awkward, her awkward flirting is the best. (laughs) I love it. It's so awkward. So good. She's the best. (laughs) That's why I love her. She's so adorable. She's just awkward as fuck. And Tally is just doesn't take the bait. She's like, listen, I'm not here to flirt with you. I'm still confused about Alder and what to do with those feelings. So like, I can't get into this with you right now. But also Alder, remember her, she's stepping down from everything. So that's great. And that I came here to tell you that. And Nick like processes that for like half a second that like Alder is finally stepping down from her position as general. And she like leans over and like thinks it through. And her only expression is like, an eye, raising an eyebrow. It's almost like she's like, I'm not satisfied with this, but I'm also not entirely surprised by Alder's behavior at this point. I've known her for way too long. And Nikta says, Sarah stepping down after my execution. How ceremonial of her. And Tally's silent with like her arms crossed, eyes glued to her shoes. Like she, in this moment, Tally is the most upset person in this jail cell. It's not the person who's about to be executed. By Alder, who's now stepping down and, like, running away from all her problems, which is what Nikta was getting at. Because she's like, that's what Alder does. I'm not surprised. Nikta's not super emotional by any of this. But Tally's the one who's, like, visibly upset. And I think that part of the reason why she was so upset, you know, in the prior scene and why it's leaking over into into this scene is I feel like Tally feels like she failed Nikta in a way. Because in the prior episode, when they went to capture Nikta, she promised her... Like, I'm going to bring you in alive. I'm going to help you tell your story. I'm going to help you bring out the truth. But none of that happened. Tally brought in Nikta 
And they're like, great, we're just going to kill you and the truth will never get out. So I feel like Tally almost feel like she lied to Nicta. She kind of betrayed her in a way. And like nothing went the way it was supposed to, essentially from Tally's perspective. So that's why I think she's so upset. She's taking this as a personal failure in a way. And I think that's why she came to see Nicta because she's almost like, I needed to like apologize in a way because like I feel like this is kind of my fault. Tally takes that very seriously. Yeah. Giving her word. Exactly. So I think that's why she's so upset about the truth not coming out like right now. Because she's like kind of emotionally invested in this and like she played a part in this and now she's potentially going to play a part in the cover-up if they just kill Nekta and this never comes out. So Tally's taking this very, very hard. And I think Nekta senses what's going on with Tally a little bit. Because I think they are very similar and Nicta in this conversation sees herself in Tally and can empathize and relate to her. And so she kind of vocalizes like Tally's inner conflict out loud to her and says, what did you think was going to happen like when you brought me in? Like, did you think you were going to bring me here? I was going to have a fair trial. The truth was going to come out. Suddenly Alder learns with ethics is like, come on, like be real. And Tally gets really, this is when Tally like snaps and she finally like looks at Nicta because the whole time she's in there, she didn't really look at Nicta. She was just like avoiding her because she's like the guilt. But like now, like that's the thing. Like she's like, she was hoping the truth was going to come out. She was hoping that Alder was finally going to like change and like be the hero Tally always saw her as. But that didn't happen at all. And Nicta saying that out loud is like confirming Tally's like biggest fear and biggest problem with all of this. And she snaps and looks at Nikta and she's like, don't you care that nobody's going to know the truth? Because that's the thing Tally cares about. But like Nikta, again, is <laughs> the one in the hot, actual hot seat here and does it. And it's just like taking it like it's just a, a normal Tuesday. And she like, it's just like, you know, whatever. And what's interesting here is that Nikta doesn't answer this question at all. Because I think Nikta does care that the truth gets out. Um, I think that that's the thing that Nikta cared about initially. But I think she got so buried in her quest for vengeance and buried in her hatred directed at you know alder and the system and all that stuff that like i think that piece of nicta kind of got lost in translation as well like along along this 30-year path of the spree leading up to where we are now so i think nicta does care about the truth coming out but i think she lost the uh the goal of that a long time ago and it's kind of like if it happens it happens my i have a bigger mission is just taking this shit down and burning it to the ground and so Nikta just says, you know, where she's at now. She's like, I think she came to peace with this at some point and was just like, listen, like one way or another, the sad truth is this whole thing was always going to end with my death because Nikta isn't stupid. Like Nikta is smart. Nikta fucking created the spree. Like she's actually, she's smart and clever. And I think she knew at some point when she decided to desert and go on this mission that there, I think she understood the risk associated with taking on someone as powerful as Sarah Alder. Because Sarah Alder is, like, the most powerful human being in the world. And Nikta, at, like, 20 or whatever, was like, I'm gonna fucking come after you. Like, that takes gully. And she had to do a risk assessment there. And I think she understood that, like, by making Sarah an enemy, Sarah was gonna do everything in her power to cover all this shit up and come after her. And so I think Nikta knew that, like, my death was either gonna be during this going after Sarah. So either Sarah's going to kill me or like I'm going to get caught and then the government's going to kill me. Like either way, 
I'm going to die. I'm going to die fighting for what I believe in. I think she knew that when she decided to rebel against Alder. And I think that says a lot about who Nikta is. So she's like a true believer and somebody who's willing to die for something she believes in wholeheartedly. So that says a lot about her. And after she kind of delivers this line to Tally, like, Tally is, like, having a hard time processing all of this because I don't know what Tally would do, truly, if she was in Nicta's position and this kind of happened. Like, would Tally have rebelled against Alder? Would she have stayed silent and stewed? Which is kind of what she's been doing this whole time a little bit. Um, But I think Nicta kind of has a soft spot for Tally and empathizes with her because I think she sees Tally as, like, who she used to be you know, once upon a time ago. And like, because when we were first introduced to Nikta in the the dream, like Nikta was this young, hopeful soldier who really idolized Alder. So did Tally. You know, she kind of like Tally, somebody who sees the best in people, the best in situations. And I think Nikta used to be like that before Alder betrayed her. And now because of the the betrayal with Alder and how Nikta chose to respond to that. She's now lived this really sad, lonely life that's just been fueled by vengeance and nothing else. And so I think Nikta in this moment sees like, you know, this could be Tally's villain origin story, like very easily the way like Alder was Nikta's. And so I think Nikta is kind of like empathizing with her in this moment. And she tries to like soften the blow of like the harsh truth for Tally and the reality of all this. And Nikta gets up and approaches the jail wall. Like, she's physically and symbolically reaching out to Tally in this moment, which is something we've never seen Nikta do. So it, like, humanizes Nikta in this moment. And it shows that they have a lot in common, and Nikta recognizes that. And when she does that, when she reaches out to Tally, she projects her life onto Tally, basically, and says what I think Nikta would have loved to have heard right after that martyrdom, and tells Tally, don't let this end you. I know how much it hurts to believe in someone and find out that person isn't who you you thought they were. And again, this is Nikta projecting how she felt about Alder. And she tells Tally, live your life and find something to love. This is not your story. Basically telling her, don't become me. Like, I can see that you very easily could become me and go down the road I went down. Don't do it. Like, live your life. Fuck Alder. Find something to love and like, you know, find the little things in life is kind of what she's saying. Like, don't fall down this rabbit hole of just vengeance. Like, you, otherwise you're going to be in the jail cell like I am one day. And I think Tally kind of like gets swept up in this whole sentiment because the thing Tally loves is justice <laughs> and the truth. Because she's still that wide-eyed, optimistic young woman. And at this point, Tally reaches out to Nikta and she joins her at the jail wall. So they're like, they just have a thin wall separating them. So it's almost like their connection is becoming stronger. And she's reaching out to Nikta, which I'm sure no one has done to her Nikta in decades. And she tells Nikta essentially like, this whole system is so fucked up. Like she's going down the rebel path. Like you can see it. She's like, this is so fucked up. The system's fucked. We need to change it. We need to change everything. And we need to stop fighting each other and fight our actual enemy before it's too late. Because I think Tally's recognizing in this moment, like, we're, again, we're not so different, you and I, obviously. Why the fuck are we fighting each other? Is what Tally's getting at. She's like, there are external forces that are making us enemies, and that's going to get us all killed. Like, why the fuck are we fighting each other? And I think Nikta kind of gets caught up in this, and the fact that somebody is wholeheartedly reaching out to her in this moment, and she, like, 
actually sheds a tear, which is wild. But after Tally's outburst and, like, proposition to be like, hey, you should change too, basically. We could work together. Nikta, like, puts her walls back up and she's like, listen, that was sweet. Good luck with that. But I'm going to die as a martyr for the spree. Like, my whole origin story started when rebels died as martyrs. I'm about, this is going to end with me dying as a martyr for the spree. And my death is going to inspire more people to join the cause. And plus, all they're stepping down and isn't going to be in charge. And for me, that's the best win I'm going to get, basically. So I win in the end. This is my win, going out a martyr for the spree. And Tally just looks like livid by this. Like this reality is making her upset, like really upset. And just, she gets very, very lost in thought. And according to the subtitles, dramatic music starts playing. <laughs> Tally exits the jail. What a scene. What a scene. What a scene. Like- The bright sale is back. Yeah, no, they're like, Arlen and Jessica, job. Your acting in the scene is beautiful. The way it was shot, it's just- Holla. There's a lot happening in the scene. I think it's very significant to just tying up the, the past and the present and like, how do we move forward? Like in one scene with these two characters, it's very, it's a, it's a probably my second favorite scene in the whole show. It's really phenomenal. The acting was beautiful. It's, it was. Yes. And and, not just, uh, it's the future, how to move forward with the future, everyone's future, not just. Exactly. Yeah. It's a, it's a, the bigger picture kind of, kind of a conversation and there's a lot of high emotions in this scene. And so just the acting was just phenomenal. Great job. You too. It was that's fun. Very emotional, but also like controlled in the places that it needed to be controlled, and it was beautiful. Yeah, no, exactly. It's ugh, yeah, that tear, Arlen. Why would you do that to me? Yeah, like that was rude. That was rude. <laughs> oh yeah, no. Arlen. No, they're emo- they're again. Anytime you give me a scene with heightened emotions, it's just the uh, it's just like yes, acting. They're acting. It's just so good. Like they let them actually like play that scene. Very well. So great job, mm-hmm. guys. Uh, love it. I love it so much. Speaking of heightened emotions. <laughs> oof. There are very different heightened emotions going on in this next scene. Oh, yeah. Between the two characters. So <clears throat> we go back to Petra and Alder. Uh, Petra is still gleeful, like a little... I like If... If, it, if she wasn't, like, in her head, just skipping around, like, in a field full of daisies or something. But <clears throat> Alder says that she's going to have to address the base. And Petra says, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the White House is going to write your statement. <laughs> like, there's n- no way you're going to slip in any kind of Alder propaganda. So yeah, like, you're going to read the statement. When Wade said you're done, she meant you're you're done. It's you're all done. done. It's all done. And then Alder asks about the Biddy program, and Petra says it will be retired with her. And all the Biddies hiss, because that means when the last, you know, Biddy dies that is sustaining Alder's life force, if you will, then she goes with it. Yeah, this is, that's a death sentence for Alder. That's what that is. So the biddies are pissed, mm-hmm. but like you see Alder's just like, oh, fuck. Yeah, mortality. What is this mortality? Um, so Petra, Petra wants to drill down a little bit and also just get in, get 
get into Alder's thought process and ask, did you have any idea what you were doing with sweeping Nick under the rug? Like, seriously, Alder, what were you thinking? And then Alder goes into this very... It's it's a it's a great speech, and Lynn gets ninety five thousand points for this speech because it was, whoo, it was really good, um, and it's basically starts off with her asking Petra how many heads of intelligence that Petra thinks Alder has appointed since she became general, and. Petra guesses too low, of course. And then Alder asks, how many wars do you think I've fought? And again, Petra guesses a lower number. And, <laughs> you know, it really comes into reality. 349, 40, 50 years and 80 plus wars. And that's a staggering thing to think about because it's hard to really wrap your head around the fact that Alder's been alive for that long and all the experiences she must have had and how those experiences have affected her but also how the droning like how repetitive experiences of a somewhat almost immortal life would affect your mind and how you process things and the decisions you make. So basically in this, what Petra's going to get to is that Alder lost some humanity in those 350 years. But <clears throat> first Alder's going to give a speech continue with her speech and her eyes are all glossy with tears. And this line, there's one line that really got to me and it's all the horror, all the glory gone for good. You're ambitious Petra and foolish. So she's saying all of this is going to go away. Like everything I've done is going to go away what it like what does it mean to be mortal she's trying to, to process and trying to get petra to realize that she's been playing these games and alder's been here the whole time having all this experience with <laughs> generations of experience like you really can you really say that your decisions are any better than Alder's because every these things that you're doing are, you know, petty and foolish, basically. And Petra's reply is, I'm human. Somewhere along the way, I think you forgot that you are too. Welcome back. So it's kind of like a mic drop for Petra. Oh, yeah. She and wished, then she, she walks mic drops. She witch mic drops and walks out of there. And I think that these were, this is a conversation that they both needed to have because I don't think that Petra takes it on board as much as Alder gets mic dropped, but <laughs> it's, 
It's like, yeah, realize that in your ambition, you've been going after this position and it's going to be more than you think it is. The decisions you're going to have to make are going to be life altering for the people that you are deciding for because you're directing people's lives in this job. All of the things that Alder's done over the years, that's what she's doing. So it's become sort of a chess game where she's had distance from those, but at the same time, she you can tell that she tried to at least keep up a pretense that she felt the same kind of empathy as she did at the beginning, but that's not possible over that long of a lifespan. In my opinion, you can't keep that empathy in place fully. Like it's just how it is when you're making decisions behind a desk far away from, you know, and yes, she's been involved personally in some of the wars, but she makes decisions every day about what people are going to do, where they're going to be deployed, all these other things. And I think Petra just needed to be like, hey, but I'm human and so are you. So just realize that, yeah, you're human. You're going to die. Like every, every human is supposed to die. Welcome back to the place where you realize that you're fallible. So, yeah. It's a big old big witch reality check out. for both of mm -hmm. them. It is. Yeah, big witch like, energy. Petra, realize that you're not prepared for this job. Alder, realize that you're a freaking human being and you have to own up to that. Also, it's like a call to the audience to like, remember the witches are human. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Everyone. Yes. Everyone. They're just human, too. They're human. I think that got lost in translation somewhere along the way also for everyone. Uh -huh. Yep. So after that big witch energy measuring contest <laughs> that doesn't there's no winner they both lost honestly. there's no winner they both they both lose stalemate <laughs> thinks she won but yeah no there was no winner guys you need a rematch <laughs> all right so after petra and alders whatever the fuck that was <laughs> big witch energy measuring contest in which no one won yeah the stalemate we shoot over to tally who's in the uh war college dining room like nose deep in a textbook when and uh she's getting her like law degree on when penelope <laughs> penelope and her new unit come in and like penelope's like because remember penelope's been on base for a hot minute doing nothing and tally's been like showing her around so she's like showing off the war college area to her unit to be like this could be us someday guys like isn't this exciting like she's still enthusiastic about all this and she's super cute like it's it's adorable and her unit's like oh we're so excited to start basic and it's adorable like the hope hope of the future kind of thing so tally uh is not really in this conversation she is just she's worried about the trial that's the, not trial the execution that's about to happen and it's like not in this conversation. And she tries to impart words of wisdom onto this on this onto the silver unit, and it's like this jumbled nothing. And she's basically like, You found your unit. 
the day you find your unit and they find you, that's that's good. That's the good, the goodness of the good. And Penelope senses that Tally <laughs> is being weird because they've spent enough time together. And Penelope's like, hey, unit, besties, why don't you guys like go where do whatever? I need to talk to her because she's not okay. And they talk a little bit and, and Penelope's like, yeah, execution happening. That's weird, right? It's like the first one in 200 years. Like, are, are you going to go to it? And Tally's like, well, we all have to go because we don't have a choice because we're <laughs> soldiers and we have to do what we're told. I don't want to fucking watch this, but we're going to have to be there. Because Tally is upset about this, like, and is more upset after, like, talking to Nicta about this. And so she's kind of like, yeah, I'm going to go, but I don't want to. And then, like, shoves her face back in the textbook and, like, rediscovers the right of proxy. And then the wheels start turning and we leave. Yeah, remember all that mother tongue learning that she had earlier? Yeah, for those that don't, for just a recall to the right of proxy, it's essentially a legal term slash proceeding that essentially during a legal dispute, you can essentially, like if the main person can't be there, they can assign somebody else to stand in their place for the legal proceeding. So Tally is like, huh, this execution is technically a legal proceeding. So I wonder what she's going to do. Boom. Gee, I wonder. But for now, let's go hang out with Petra again. There's a lot of Petra in this so episode. So much Petra. <laughs> so much Petra. I was like, Catherine is she going to die? Why is she getting so much screen time? <laughs> <laughs> Catherine was busy on this episode. Uh, and we're going to go to Petra and Abigail this time. So no more Petra and Alder, Petra and Tally. We're going to get a little bit of Abigail. Um, who is in her mom's old office that she's about to vacate, congratulating her on her promotion. And Petra is feeling feeling her oats. She's a happy, happy general. And she tells Abigail to go to class. And Abigail's like, mm, I'm not going to class. I'm going to the front lines of the fight with the Camarilla. And Petra's like, excuse me, there is no front line yet. Like, what are you talking about? You're not, you're going to go to class. You're going to, you know, be a good soldier, learn how to do the soldier things. And that's just how it's going to be. But Abigail's not having any of that. She's, she's like, I've been at the front of the cam fight with the Camarilla every day since the wedding. And then she... <sighs> proves her point by saying that sh there was something that she and Adil left out of their debrief and pulls out Charvel's vocal cords and gives them to her mother, saying that they belong with the rest of Charvel in the grove. And Petra wells up, a little bit of a uh, big emotion for her, and tells Abigail that she has done the family proud, which is a huge thing in their relationship. Like, that's what she's been going for this whole time. Like, I need to, not only do I need to do this stuff the way I need to do it, but I, I want to make my family proud at the same time, her mother proud, et cetera, et cetera. So... Petra goes on to say that she can't just jump her daughter over the rest of war college. How would that look? And Abigail says, with all due respect, it would look like the rest of war college hasn't taken out a Camarilla facility. 
So we're back to the Abigail we know and love from last episode <laughs> when she kind of smarted off after the other soldiers told her to stay behind, told the cadets to stay back behind. But then she says, we can't wait for the fight to come to us, saying they need to be proactive in this fight with Camarilla. And Petra kind of comes around and gets the point and she steps forward but in a way that's pretty uh, uh, in an uh, almost aggressive way which prompts Abigail to step back but it's not in a it's not a negative way that Petra was going forward Petra's literally going forward to say okay we're going to go forward with how you want to play this. Tell me what you need to get started, soldier. So this is Petra approaching Abigail instead of Abigail having to approach Petra and saying, okay, what do you need? I'm going to support you. Go do the thing, win the war kind of situation. Instead of trying to tell Abigail what to do, She's saying, okay, this is what you want to do. What do you need from me? Yeah, it's it's interesting. It, it's good for, like, their mother-daughter dynamic, but it's also weird from the perspective it of, It doesn't like, make any sense! No, it doesn't make sense from the perspective of the military hierarchy, because, like, what is she endorsing? Like, yes, a war college cadet, you could just go rogue. <laughs> make it make sense! It's so weird. But like, is Petra just drunk off of hating Alder? And she's like, yeah, I'm going to be so different from Alder. Fuck that hierarchy. Like, I don't I don't get this. Because like, you all know, if this wasn't her daughter having this conversation with her, Petra would never agree to any of this. So whatever it is she's agreeing to. <laughs> my, uh, like my backup question is, okay, she's is she agreeing to this to then gonna go ahead behind abigail's back and and try to rein it back in so she's just saying okay i got you but i'm gonna kind of keep you from getting into trouble in the background that's my only Maybe. way to make it make sense yeah it doesn't make any only way sense. But I, I get the sentiment. And I think the main takeaway is not the words they're saying, <laughs> but it's more so like the sentiment that like Petra is seeing her daughter as like, you know, her own, not independent is kind of not the right word, but like seeing her as less of like, you're my daughter, do what I say, more like, okay, you're one of my soldiers. Maybe I should listen to you. Like, mm -hmm. versus Alder that just like dismissed everybody and dismissed Petra for so long. Petra's like, okay, soldier who's fought for us. Like, yes, I will take your point into consideration kind of thing. So big step from just her being like, Abigail, just do what I say. Follow the Bellwether playbook and blindly don't ask questions. She's like, okay, Abigail, Let's uh, let's take your plan into consideration. See if we can work with that. So that's a it's a big step in their relationship that she's not just dismissing yes. Abigail. She's like having an actual like they're almost like they're not on equal playing field, but it's almost like she's seeing her almost more like an equal, not just like her daughter, an extension of her kind of thing. So that's big. But like exactly. the plan makes no fucking sense. No, not at all. Ignore the words. It's not about the words. It's about the sentiment. <laughs> 
It bothered me. It bothers me because it comes back later and I'm like, <laughs> like, what the fuck? Anyway, it's so weird. It's almost, she's like, yeah, go rogue. It's fine. <laughs> like, that's not fine. That's not how the army works. No. That's so weird. No, no, no. Okay. All right. So after that mother-daughter conversation, we shoot on over to the Necrolab. Where Isadora is chest deep in some cadaver with her minions hanging around. Hanging around. And Rail interrupts this lesson. <laughs> how did she get in? She keeps getting into the Necrolab and I, <laughs> I don't know how. They, did they leave the door the open? Bomb. She has free reign. <laughs> True. Uh, yeah, I guess the mycelium's like, I can open that door for you now, Rail. You come on by mm-hmm. whatever the fuck you want, girl. <laughs> so yeah, somehow <laughs> Rail interrupts Isadora mid-Necro lesson. And she's like, listen, I need to talk to you about this whole, like, me going on a publicity tour thing. And, Rail, and like, Isadora's got, like, her hands in this chest cavity. And she's like, listen, Rail, um, I told you in the last scene that, like, I'm not super in charge of any of this. Like, I was just, I was ordered to give you a folder. Like, the orders didn't come from me. They came from somebody else. Like, maybe talk to Aldrich's assistant. That's who's really in charge. Like, if you want answers. Like, what are you doing here? And Rail's like, listen, whatever, I'll wait till you're done with your lesson because I need answers. And like, apparently you're the person I need to talk to, even though Isadora is not the person she needs to talk to. This is also a weird scene. Yeah. Just a way to get Rail close to the mycelium. <laughs> yes. And giving Isadora scenes, which I'm not mad about, but yeah, whatever. I'm it's, not mad about it. I'm not mad. Isadora is like, whatever, Rail, I need to teach my minions about dead bodies. So she goes back to doing that. And Rail is like, I'll wait. And she goes around the corner. She doesn't watch the lesson. She's like, I can't watch this. It's gross. It goes around the corner and like looks away <laughs> while it's happening. And she's there for like a hot second, just like ignoring the sounds of just like cadaver getting explored behind her. And she like gets distracted or picks up on something coming from the mycelium there's, room. Yeah, there's like a little singing going on. Yeah, I don't know if she hears something or like senses something somehow, but she's like, I have to go into the mycelium room for reasons. So she does. And she gets in front of it and like the mycelial wall extends a hand out to her. Like the first time they touched and exchanged DNA, it does that again. Instead of like a finger, it gives a palm. So Rael's like, all right, I will take your hand because why not? And when she does that, the white hyphenated, or hyphated, rather, hand transforms into a human hand. And then Willa Collar's face comes out of the mycelium, and she smiles at Rael, and then they're transported inside the fungatorium. Like, the mycelium took Rael's consciousness inside of itself, and instead of being in that, like, blue, uh, pink room that she was in during the torture scenes, it's like, she's in this memory, almost, like, fungatory memory and the lighting in the scene is very blue and when the actors are talking you see like the breath misting so it's almost like this cold like underworld kind of place hence like the lighting and the coldness so they're in in the mycelial underworld in this memory and while they're there willa and rail hug each other and willa's explaining like listen i'm still dead this isn't real life i'm dead this is the fungatory and I'm still here because of the strongest part of me that was like hanging around in the mycelium. And the strongest part of me was my love for you. Hence why I'm manifesting to you. And Rael gets into her feels and is like, well, why the fuck are we even here? Like you were supposed to stay with me, like in real life, not in fungatory. And Willa Collar explains, listen, back in the Camarilla lab with the witch plague, 
you know as well as I do that only one of us was getting out of that room alive. Only one of us. And like, it had to be you that left because we need you to live on. And like, boom, we, we. Indicating this isn't Mama Collar. Because if this was Mama Collar, she would have said, I need you to live on because I love you and you're my daughter. But the language is we need you to live on. So this is showing us that like, this really isn't Willa Collar. Like this is a piece of her consciousness talking to Rael through the mycelium. And Rael and Willa will never, ever, ever have an actual conversation because Willa is straight up dead and I hate it. But like, this is like the best analogy I can think of is like in the 100 when like Clark sees Lexa after Lexa's killed, she sees her in the City of Light and they have this whole conversation. And it's like, well, that's not her. That's a manifestation from this like external thing. So that's what's happening here. This isn't like... Willa and Rael having a conversation. This is the mycelium talking through Willa to talk to Rael. It's fucked up and I hate it. And we hate it here. I hate it here. I really hate it. I hate it so much. And Rael is all of us. And she's like, we, what the fuck are you talking? Who is this we you speak of? Oh, my fire alarm's going off. Hold on. No. Oh, no, wait. All right. No fire. <laughs> That's good. I have sad dogs now. Our fire alarm is dumb and it's like really sensitive to anything. It goes off all the time. All right. Suki, where was I? Suki, tell us. Tell us, Suki. The noise is scary. Um, I was the we. Okay, so Rael is all of us. And she's like, we, what the fuck? Like, what are you talking about? Who is this we we speak of? And Willa brushes past this question. And she's like, instead of me explaining in one word who we is, let me show you how it all began, because that's more dramatic. And so Willa plays out this memory that they're in. As our Willa slash the mycelium plays out this memory that they're in. And shows Rael how the mycelium came to be, essentially. It's like showing Rael its own origin story. So it's like low-key bragging. It's like, ha here's my here's my birth story. And basically what happened was, uh, in the dream, we see Sarah Alder bawling her eyes out amongst a group of, like, witches burning at the stake. And the mycelium via Willa explains that, like, you know, Sarah Alder came back after winning this victory against the British. So I assume this is, like, Revolutionary War time. And when she came back, her entire coven, I guess, or platoon or whatever, group of soldiers. They say coven in the scene. I know she said that her coven was killed, but I couldn't remember if this was the coven or if this is just, like, a group of witches. Um, I thought this was, like, her first coven. I could be wrong. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. Cause like they have, they they go on later where like the mycelium's like, you know, Sarah lost everything, her sister, her first coven. Mm -hmm. So I don't know this could be the coven. I'm not really sure. It seems like a lot of people for a coven, but regardless, there's a bunch of like 20 witches like burning at the stake and Sarah's bawling because like basically she won some victory for humanity and then comes back and the Camarilla killed all of her sisters basically. And she's bawling her eyes out. And in this grief that she has for the fallen witches, she sings this song of just pure grief. And when she did that, it like altered something in the space-time continuum and essentially created the mycelium from those dead witches. So it took the best part of them, shoved them underground, and it created this like living mycelium, which is like 
what we have today that just kept expanding. And Rael does quick math during this thing. And she's like, oh, so this is where all the witches go when they die. We become part of the mycelium. This is what happens. And Willa slash the mycelium is like, yep, that's what happens. Uh, and over this spot where the mycelium was born, that's where Alder built Fort Salem, like over this burial site. And Willa explains, like, and, you know, when witches die, we end up in the mycelium. And now we're all living through you, Rael, so that our ancient enemy can finally be defeated and the Great War can be won. So this is the mycelium revealing its true agenda to Rael, that the mycelium is on a revenge mission for the OG witches who were killed by the Camarilla when the mycelium was first created. And they're using Rael as their champion, their chosen one, their conduit for their work to, to enact this revenge mission and to wield their power. And they're dubbing, I guess, the Great War as this final battle of witches versus the Camarilla, which because like, I, and I, I can't tell if this is like a prophesized thing through magic or if it's more like this is the inevitability of where it has to go. There has to be this great war that just ends this shit once and for all because it just, we both can't exist on this planet together, essentially. And so after the mycelium tells Rael what it wants and what it, why it chose her and what it's really doing, um, the mycelium's like, great, fake Willa, great job, you did your thing, now it's time to leave, no more talking to your daughter. And it kicks Rael out of the fungatorium into the real world. And Rael's back in the mycelium room, just like having another emotional breakdown, because that was a lot, <laughs> that was a lot to take in. And like Alder's grief was palpable, and like her mom was there, and poor Rael. And so as she's, like, reeling in three seconds from being kicked out of there, Isadora marches in the room. Like, girl, what the fuck? Like, how many times do I have to scold you for being in this mushroom room and touching the wall? Like, how many times do you have to have the conversation? I'm so tired of this. And Rael doesn't even notice Isadora. She just, like, starts gushing and panicking. She's like, do you smell the burning? Like, there's fire. There's a smoke. Like, it's everywhere. They're everywhere. My mom was with them. She's a part of them. They're part of me. Like, they gave me this gift, and I'm not going to let anyone tell me how to fucking use this thing. Like... I love this part because not just the panic, which is enjoyable, but like she uses the word gift, which was Scylla's language for what the mycelium power was. So Scylla's in her brain. And also this is Rael embracing her destiny. Finally, she's like, it's a gift. I have this power. I'm going to fucking do what I want with it, which also doesn't make any sense. But sure, I'm happy Rael is like accepting her role in the greater good kind of battle thing and just like not she's taking control finally, I guess is what it is because this whole time she's been like, this is out of my control this wall chose me, but now she's like, okay, I've been chosen, I'm gonna take control of this situation and wield this the way I want to instead of being anybody's puppet and is sure, Rael, and is that's what's gonna happen <laughs> right, no, none of these conversations with the unit people make any sense <laughs> You're still a puppet. You're uh, the the mycelium literally just told you you are our yeah, puppet. Yeah, the mycelium I, just told you I'm right. using you. Right. <laughs> but Rail's like, fine, you use me. I'm going to use you right back, like an eye for an eye. We're, we're going to go with Nikta's logic here. And Isadora is watching all this. This is all out of context. All of the stuff she's saying to Isadora. And Isadora's like, who the fuck is we? Like, what do you mean smoke? There's burning in my lab. Like, didn't you didn't you come here to talk to me about the recruiting tour? Like, what the fuck are you talking about? 
And Rail's like, recruiting tour? No, fuck that recruiting tour. I'm not going to go. And she turns around to leave. And Isidore's like, that's above both of our pay grades, cadet, which is what I've been trying to tell you this whole fucking time. And I don't know why you're in my lab. And Rail just marches out like, no, it isn't. Wait, that... <laughs> <laughs> this episode should have been called Delusional for how, yes. how Rail and Abigail... <laughs> are behaving like they own the fucking army and it's like this whole scene was so bizarre and weird i love it but it's just it's so weird and we have to end this by talking about what was isadora doing off screen because i think she has been puzzled by all of this like all of it and this whole encounter was like the last straw for her and i think she spent at least an hour in that room Try to figure out what the fuck happened. And she's like, what was burning? Like, she's checking stuff. She's like, smoke in my lab. What the fuck? And she, like, scoured that whole room. And who's like, who's we? Like, who was in this room with the mycelium? And, like, I think she's having, like, this identity crisis because she didn't know what the fuck was happening. Her precious wall is, like, in jeopardy. Rael is also leaving. So that means that Isadora is losing her experiment time with Rael. And she's like, maybe we can do long distance experimenting. I don't know. Like she's having a whole identity crisis. And then Rael gives this weird performance that's out of context, <laughs> like insinuating all this weird stuff. And so I think Isadora had like a little bit of a breakdown in that room trying to figure out what the fuck was happening. And just, she's like, had to psych herself up at the end. Cause like, she's also, this is also out of her control. Like all this stuff is being dictated to her above her pay grade. And she's like, I'm head necro. I'm the boss. This is my experiment. Like, <laughs> anyway, support Isadora had like a breakdown after that because that made no sense to her <laughs> whatsoever. One of her assistants walked in and found her crying on the mycelium floor. And silently closed the door. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I was like, no, I'm not getting involved in whatever this is. <laughs> yeah, bye. Bye. <laughs> but it's funny because uh, my what was blank character doing off screen also comes up now with the mycelium. M- mine is um, Libba. <laughs> Libba. <laughs> so what is Libba doing in the mycelium? <laughs> Yes, what <laughs> really she should be the title of it. So, as as we found out, the best part of witches lives on in the mycelium, and in this case, it's Libba's love slash hate for Abigail. Oh yeah, that's one hundred percent what is living in the mycelium. <laughs> <laughs> so Libba's. In this little corner of the whole mycelium fungatorium with her newly minted Abigail Shrine. Because <laughs> she had to go and like... Redo it. Redo it because <laughs> she's obviously not on the, the like living plane anymore. But I imagine since it's the mycelium, she can kind of come up with things herself. And so she creates her little, she's created her little Abigail shrine. And the whole time she's hearing all of this singing and like smelling burning. And it's like, what the f is going on? <laughs> and like she comes out of her little area and peeks and she sees Rael and she's like, nope, nope. No, fuck this. <laughs> oh, fuck this. I'm not going to be a part of it. And uh, she goes right on back to her tending to changing the flowers on her Abigail shrine. 
Wait, what happened when Abigail came into the mycelium room? Was Libba oh. like, oh shit, how do I make a hand and reach for her? Yeah, Libba's like, Willa, tell me how to do that. <laughs> tell the me how to do it. Tell me how to do the hand. Ah, damn it, she's gone, Isadora. <laughs> damn it. Damn it. <laughs> she was right there. Or it's like she was actually in the part like that was actually behind the wall, and so she was trying to reach, yeah. but it wasn't working because like she's, she's like, behind the wall. Ugh. This is not fair. It's not fair. Fuck you, Willa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was one hundred percent was happening off screen, and then and then Libba was also like smoke around my like she had to like protect the shrine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so she's like, no, we will close the door. We will put a towel under. <laughs> this is not gonna happen. Libba was not having a good day in the mycelium. No. Is what I'm gathering. Yeah, not it. only has she missed the chance to see Abigail, Touch Abigail she. Yeah. Yeah, to touch Abigail, she was like, felt like her shrine was burning. She did. Jesus. Poor Lesbian Jesus. <sighs> Hydrate yourselves. <sighs> I just did. Yeah. All right. So from Libba in the mycelium, we're going to go to another Petra. She's back. So Petra many scenes. Jesus Christ. So many Petras. So many Petra scenes. So Team Petra. We'll soak all this in. Yes. Uh, and we got Anacostia this time. So Petra's overseeing some preparations for the execution, I think. Maybe, hey, it's an event. Like, we're on the... <laughs> this is like calling back to when executions were public events like back in the day in europe so okay sure but um anacostia comes up and they have a little <sighs> cute exchange where you find out that anacostia is now the head of intelligence and has been promoted to captain and Petra asks Anacostia how the new initiative against the Camarilla is shaping up. But Anacostia, who is now intelligence, says, that's need to know. So, mm-mm. Mm-mm. Just kind of uh, saying, yeah, this is how it's going to be. And Petra is like, intelligence suits you. And then you're going to be good at this. And so she walks off. And then guess who comes up? to have a little flirt with Anacostia. It's Sterling. The the fellow that we heard about all the way back in season one. Anacostia's old flame or dalliance. Whatever. Really? She talked so, about Sterling? Yeah. When? It wasn't it when they were talking. Yeah. There's a point where she, yeah, there's a point where she says that someone points out that Anacostia had a thing with Sterling. Oh, I didn't know that. I know she mentioned Channing Grafton, who we've all met. I don't remember when she talked about Sterling. I'm going to have to look it up, huh. but I'm pretty sure. Let us all know. I was like, wow, you forgot about Channing so fast. <laughs> well, you know, somebody had something with Sterling. This is going to bother me. Okay, anyway, <clears throat> so Sterling is, turns out, on Silver's detail, which 
I'm assuming means he's Secret Service. So witches are the Secret Service too. And Petra, I mean Petra, Anacostia um, <clears throat> kind of tries to play it coy, and but Sterling is like, yeah, don't pretend like you don't keep track of me. Like, you know where I am. You know where I've been. And he's then he he switches to talking about how the the Batan mess is like, well, this got out of control, basically. Like, wow, this is crazy. And Anacostia is like, well, it's worse than you even know. So, yeah. And then he's trying to kind of wheedle some information out of her, but she says, uh, if I tell you that, I'm going to have to kill you. And he's like, leans in all smooth and is like, well, then I'd die a happy man. I'm like, all right, smooth move, Sterling. He is thirsty. Go for it. He is a thirsty mofo, and I don't blame him because look at Anacostia. Yep. Also, the, the whole captain's bars look really good on her. They sure do. Should have probably had she deserves sooner. a promotion. Yeah, she should have. Yeah, she deserves she a promotion have. after having to deal with the unit. Okay. Well, also like her mission with Scylla just like really proved herself. Like she's she's Absolutely. good at espionage. She actually is. So good on you. She found her thing. So yeah, that was just you know a nice little scene to establish that there's some kind of history there and that they're flirty. And then Anacostia got promoted. Captain Quartermain in the house. Captain Quartermain. She deserves it. She does. Alrighty. So while Anacostia is getting promoted and getting her man on or whatever, flirting on. Uh, meanwhile, in the session, the gang is at, at a diner. It's Scylla, a Papa Collar, Quinn, Tiffany, and a Dodger family, I guess, or Dodgers. And things are going well. The Quinn is introducing Tiffany to her new Dodger family or group of Dodgers to get her to a family. And Papa Collar and Scylla are at a booth and he comments to Scylla that what she just, what she did for Tiffany was something really big and really wonderful. And he like is like, wow, what you did is really great. Like you should be proud of that basically. And Scylla must feel so seen because she's actually getting praised for once. Yes. I know. Like proud of you, girl. Like you do a lot of good and no one ever gives you credit. So thank you, Papa Collar, for actually giving Scylla credit for her good deeds. And he's clearly like impressed with her character. And it's like, listen, like after this whole Tiffany situation is done, like you can continue staying with me if you want to, like despite whatever trouble you've gotten yourself in because I'm not dumb. I know witches and the rules and you should probably be in the army. You're my daughter's age. Like you're not in the army. You're probably, it's probably in some trouble. So, but whatever, it doesn't matter. Like if you want to stay, you can say like, I think you're a good person basically is what he's saying. And so that like politely declines because she's like, listen, uh, I am trouble. <laughs> it's my middle name and I don't want to cause you trouble because you're a good person too. And he's like, no, no, listen, like if you're a part of my little girl's life, then you're a part of mine. So like my, mi casa es su casa is what he's saying. And Scylla completely melts, like, because, like, she's finally getting, like, love and acceptance that she fucking deserves from Papa Collar. And, yeah, uh, Rayo gets her U-hauling skills from her dad. <laughs> that is confirmed in this scene. Love it. So as this they're- This is, like, <laughs> my favorite scene in this episode. It's very cute. 
And uh, as they're like bonding, Quinn comes over and she's like, yep, it's done. Tiffany's going with those Dodgers. And Tiffany runs after her and comes over to Scylla and is really shy and cute. And he gives Scylla her little stuffed bird. And she's like, so you'll remember me, which is super sweet, but also naive because Scylla is 100% going to lose that. And Tiffany, you should have kept it. Yeah. <laughs> and so throwing this out there to everybody, let us know. Uh, we're taking bets. Let us know how much time elapsed between this scene and Scylla losing the bird. Like how much time did you give her? Let us know. I don't know. I kind of feel like Scylla has it somewhere semi-safe. Like, that girl has, like, got this stuffed animal. That thing came... That She had that... Tiffany had that in that one scene with Willa. So, I don't know. Yeah. They... they, they Again, like, Scylla picked it up from Tiffany's house, gave it to her to calm her down. It got to the safe house because Tiffany held on to it. But Scylla loses gifts. So she's going to lose this bird, is what I'm saying. So how long before she loses the bird? (laughs) Because she's going to lose it. I give her at least till about the beginning of season two. I give her five minutes. Season two? Through season three. Five minutes. She lost it when they are in the next scene. Like there's no way. I she I tried she went to sh- she went to shove it into her backpack and it didn't make it into the backpack. It's still in that diner. I don't think it made it out of the diner. That's just me. Let us know, listeners, how long before Scylla loses the bird, because she's gonna lose it. Oh jeez. So after I have faith in her. <laughs> she's no, she's gonna lose it. She loses all gifts. It's part of her character trait. So after Tiffany gives her the bird that's gonna get lost. They, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Tiffany, should have you should have hung onto that girl. She hugs Scylla, and it's really sweet. And then she leaves with Papa Collar and the Dodgers. And Scylla hangs back with Quinn, and she's like, "Hey, listen, I need to take you somewhere because I got to show you something." And Quinn like doesn't have an expression. She's like, "What the fuck? What the fuck?" Yeah, <laughs> what is her going expression? On? Where are you taking me? <laughs> yeah, she's like, "Uh, danger, danger." But I just met you. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to leave <laughs> your trouble. But uh, Quinn goes with her and they end up in this courtyard outside where there's like a dozen, at least a dozen people like hanging around, hanging out. And Quinn is probably like, cool, you brought me to see civilians <laughs> novel. This is so brand new information. <laughs> and Selena doesn't, there's no words exchanged, but after like a hot second, a crow, a murder of crows flies overhead and there's augmented squawking that happens and all the people in the square freeze for like a hot second and then they partner up and start waltzing in this courtyard. Except for the dog that somebody brought who starts barking because he's like, what the fuck? Like, we're supposed to go on a walk (laughs) as their human is waltzing with a stranger. So (laughs) that's happening. And the camera pans to Scylla and Quinn. And Scylla is conducting this whole thing with her little finger, which is adorable, indicating she's orchestrating this whole thing. But how is she doing it? And we find out how her little bird friend lands on top of the trash can next to her. And Scylla winks at him like, good job, buddy. And Quinn is super impressed. Like, okay, so this was you and the bird. Uh, Cool. What do you call whatever the fuck this is? And Scylla says, Morgan's Whisper. Put a pin in that. We'll come back to that in a second. And Quinn's like, 
rubbing our hands like great we can use this against the Camarilla and Scylla just smiles without saying anything but her smile is basically like yeah exactly bitch because Scylla big witch energy ram's horn is casually inventing new magic we can use against the Camarilla that's the whole point glad you agree and now that it's a great scene it's super cool Scylla and her bird Scylla and her bird and the bird is I love that the bird just goes back and forth over the crowd like three times and that's all it took for all of those civilians to just be like he's a perfectionist he is so now that we have the name Morrigan so it's unclear to me if that's the bird's name or if that's what she calls the work because the name Morrigan is very significant so I could go either way with this but we mentioned Morgan in like episode season one, episode two, when we talked about the scene. And so let's circle back to like who the Morgan really is. And I think why this figure is really important and it's supposed to like allude to Scylla and what's going to happen potentially in season three. So who's the Morgan? The Morgan is a figure in Irish slash Celtic mythology the na- she is a she is a female goddess essentially and the name morgan roughly translates to the phantom queen so the morgan was associated with war death and destiny so scylla the necro and now we're entering the era of the great war and she's a harbinger of destiny so i think this is scylla's role in what's going to happen going forward in season three through like the morgan myth and the Morgan is somebody who was a gifted shapeshifter. So we saw that with Scylla's spree work. She can shapeshift into other things. And the Morgan herself was known to favor as her favorite thing to shapeshift into was a crow. So hence the black bird. So that's what's tying this all together. The Morgan is also known as a is also known as a triple goddess. And so I've talked about this before, but I think the triple goddess is like the unit. And so like, this is how you get this core four kind of thing. It's like the Morgan and then her three forms, the triple goddess. So together they make this, they're going to make this one big unit that's going to play a role in the battle to come. Because the other piece of the Morgan is she was also not just this goddess of death, but she was also like a goddess of war. And she's described as being this goddess who could predict the death of warriors in battle. So she would often like go out to like battlefields and like perform this ritual and then the, to let the soldiers know if they were going to live or die kind of thing. So the necro in the battle. And she's somebody who could influence the outcomes of war. So I think this Morrigan's whisper is essentially indicating that this work she's created is going to influence the war to come hopefully in the witch's favor hence morrigan's whisper influencing the outcome of the war and according to this legend like whenever she would deliver this message kind of in this warrior sense she would appear as a crow a lot of the times and fly overhead during the war and it's said that like her appearance would either terrify those fighting or inspire them to fight so like I think that that's really key. So like, hence this particular magic where you have the crow or the flock of the murder or whatever flying overhead, signifying the coming of the Morrigan. And some will either be afraid of it, hence her enemies, or it will inspire the witches fighting for her to be like, yes, we have this work on our side. We can win this. So I think that Scylla is going to play a big role in the big battle to come. Like, Rael is going to be the foot soldier of like the 
you know, the warrior of destiny or whatever. And then Scylla is the one that influences how the battle goes through her work with the crows. So helping Rail and then the unit by extension that will be with Rail. So I think this particular line is so like foreshadowy. It's almost comical and I love it. Thank you, Elliot, for this. So that's the Morrigan. And I think the purpose of this particular work and how it's going to play into the battle with the Camarilla. I'm in love with it. I've been waiting for you to be able to explain this for a long ass time. So I'm here for it. Yes. And we'll talk about it a lot more in our spec episode when we talk about like season three in particular, but just like a little hint, like that's what this scene really is. And that's what it's really like. Scylla, first of all, decides to do the gayest demonstration ever. And she's like, I'm going to make people dance which is so gay and I love it as her like <laughs> as her like showing off the work in a harmless manner to Quinn but Quinn immediately picks up on the fact that oh we can use this in war and that's really what it is it's like yeah I can influence people to do whatever the fuck I want but really I'm trying to show you what I can do to win a war kind of thing yes and by naming it Morgan's whisper it's it's very much telling the audience like yeah this is like this is a battle thing this is a harbinger of death kind of thing a changing the tides of destiny kind of thing there's a lot laced into just naming it that and i find it really interesting that Scylla comes up with that name i think that she really took the time to think about something like that when she named it because it's not a random name like she must have known like this figure or this goddess or whatever when she named this work this so I love that. She strikes me as the type of like thoughtful person that would think about something like that before naming it. Because she didn't name any Absolutely. of her other works. She didn't be like, hey, Rail, this is witch texting. She was just like, no, I want to talk to you. I didn't yeah. even name this fucking thing. It's just, it is what it is. She named this work. So it doesn't name her work. Like, that's really interesting. And really, it's interesting. It's also like weird for like Quinn to be like, what do you call it? <laughs> like, why would you ask yeah. her that? It's obviously mind trickery. Asking. Like, what do you mean? What do I call it? Do you name your work? <laughs> <laughs> It's a, it's a bird that makes people do shit that I want. Yeah, it's weird <laughs> that she named it and that Quinn asked. The dialogue is weird in this episode, but I understand. We need to do it for plot reasons. So yeah, the fact that Scylla named this work, we've never seen her do that before, I think is very significant. And basically Elliot dry snitching on himself about like where this is headed. Yep. Yeah. Love it. Love it. The myths. Ugh. Crows are, I love crows, like IRL, I love crows. I've always, always have. So. They're smart. The fact that Scylla gets to play with crows. They're smart as fuck, too. They really are. They really are. They're all over the place where I live, and they're just, they're really fucking smart. I love them. They're all over the place here, too. I feed them with corn. Um. So, from Scylla and the Morgan of Destiny, we're gonna go... Uh, to the big, big scene of the episode, the execution. <sighs> exactly. Sigh. D- deep sigh. Deep sigh. <laughs> I hate it. Yep. Mm. So we've got Alder walking in with the biddies, and she walks all the way up to where there's a little stage, and you've got all of the people that you would imagine on the stage, the president, the vice president, Petra, Anacostia, et cetera, et cetera. And Wade nods 
to Alder once she gets close enough. And then Alder turns and we see Nicta is tied to a, a post in the middle of all this. And on either side of her are army people and cadets. So they're in like a hangar or something with that they've set up for this execution. And Alder starts her little speech by saying that she takes no pleasure in ending a witch's life, but Nicta is no mere witch. She is a murderer and her crimes cannot go unanswered. And then you got shots of all like the army people in the crowd who are looking, you know, not that happy about this and especially Tally. And we go back to Alder who says that her death will be a signal to the spree that we will hunt them and end them. So everyone in the army starts to stomp during this, but in like a, a different way than you kind of hear them normally stomp, except for the unit. They don't stomp at all. And she goes on to say that with three strikes, Nicta will meet the goddess. One for the heart, one for the head, and one for the soul. And at this point, Alder is swinging her scourge around just to kind of show everyone that this is how it's going to go down. The crystal lights up. It's all, we're all ready to go. And she's about to take her first swing at Nicta, who's just looking like accepting her fate. All right, this is going to happen. Like I'm dying a martyr. Here we go. But Tally cannot contain it and takes this moment to yell, stop. Just as Alder is about to strike Nicta. And everyone turns to her and she steps forward and Alder is like, what are you doing? And then Tally invokes the right of proxy in mother tongue. And we see Wade on stage like, um, hey, Petra, what the fuck's going on? Um, you need to get this back on track. And Petra's like, uh, no can do. Like, this is between them now, meaning Alder and Tally. Like, she's invoked the right of proxy. This is a witch thing. It's in our laws. You can't, can't do anything about it. So, Alder tells Tally that she doesn't want to hurt her. And Tally's like, well, you're going to have to. Unless you want to tell everyone the truth. So, she's giving Alder an opportunity to let it all out. Instead of having this fight between the two of them, Tally as Nicta's proxy. So she's basically saying, my life for Nicta's life. Which is what the last part of the right that she invoked meant. My life for her life. Um, so Alder's like, okay, fine. I guess I don't want to do this, but Tally, like Alder's about to turn around and be like, ugh. but Tally gets her scourge out and hits Alder across the cheek with it, which is like, uh, oh no, you didn't. Oh, uh, that gave me literal <laughs> chills with Tally. Tally did struck her first. Like, 
Oh. Exactly. <laughs> and Tally, basically it's Tally saying, no, bitch, I'm serious. Like, this is for real. You're not going to kill her unless you kill me. Thank you. Like, you're going to have to go through me. Thank you, Tally. Sappho thanks you yeah. for saving me. Yes, exactly. So they have a little spar, but... Alder's obviously been doing this for 350 years. She easily defeats Tally. Headbutts her. <laughs> Which, ow. <laughs> and she's ready to kill Tally. And right before she says, or right before she does it, she says, and one for the head. Rael screams no. <laughs> and steps forward. And with her, like, I don't know if they all fucking planned this, but I think no, Tally didn't, no. in my mind, Tally didn't tell anybody what was going down. No. Rael just knows mother tongue now because of the mycelium. And so she starts to invoke the right of proxy for Tally. And then Abigail mirrors the last words of it. And then Gregorio, and then M, and then all the cadets start to step forward. So there's this domino effect of people saying, no, Alder, it's enough. We're going to stop this here. We're not going to kill any more witches. We're not going to kill Nicta. And that gives uh, Tally an opportunity to say what she needs to say. So she tells Nicta's story of betrayal with Alder. And then... Abigail kind of takes over and says, if Nicta is killed, it's one less witch in the world, which is what the Camarilla wants for us to keep killing each other while they sit back and watch. And then Tally takes back over. Nicta should pay for her crimes, but not like this. She's not the only guilty one here. Alder. Hello. You've done, you've Uh, done just as bad. (laughs) You're doing you've done just as bad and you're the one that gets to to gets that gets to kill Nicta and punish her for her crimes. I don't think so. So Wade looks down and tells Alder if she doesn't do this, then the civilian government will just carry it out themselves. And Anacostia like Alder shook at this point, like all of these cadets have just stepped forward to basically say no ma'am. So it's further crumbling and it's further like letting her know that, yeah, her time is over in that capacity as general leader of the army. I think there's another read to it also. I totally agree with what you're saying, but I think the other thing too, that may strike a bit of a chord with Alder, because like Penelope said, it's been 200 years since like there's been an execution, but like back in Alder's day, like witch executions happen left and right. Like that's how she lost her sister. And so it's almost like this scenario is playing out where like a witch is about to be executed for being a witch basically. Mm-hmm. But all the witches save her. Like this is something Alder would have like like dreamed of happening to her happening to her sister like it's like history is repeating itself but like in a better way from what alder's used to seeing where witches just die or like alder has to save herself but it's like all the witches gather together to save the one witch it's like the thing she always wanted it's like her like her sisterhood her daughters saving each other you know so it's unfortunate it's against her but like i think in she can kind of like see the bigger picture here based on the language she says after this so she's like wow like you guys are willing to save each other that's what i always wanted for witches really so 
Exactly. It's telling her it's okay to let go and step away. Yeah. Because they've got this. Yeah. Um, and Anacostia steps down and puts her hand on Alder's shoulder and says, General. And then there's a few beats for a pause. And then she says, Sarah. So she's once again saying, Sarah, the human. Right. Like, it's time. So Alder starts to give, like, her parting speech. My fellow soldiers, I'm sorry I brought us to this place. Our ancient enemy has taken advantage of the conflict between us to fester and spread like an infection that threatens to kill us on my watch. I was worried that I was leaving you unprepared for the future, but you're more ready to face it than I ever was. Do not make the same mistakes I have, and please never forget that we are also human. So I have chills right now just reading that, but Alder's turning. She's saying, okay, I accept this. You guys have got this. Don't make the mistakes I did. So she's kind of mirroring Nikta's speech to Tally in that regard. Like, don't do the things that I did. You've got, like, be better. And then Alder, tur Alder turns to Petra and strips off her general's bars. And Petra tells her, we will meet the Camarilla with storm and fury. And Tally repeats with storm and fury, and then everyone repeats it and they stomp. And we get one last shot of Alder walking away. So it's the biggest thing for Alder to just say, okay, that's this is this is where we're at. I've done, you know, all I can. I've made mistakes. I've had triumphs. You guys I will let go and turn it over to you. My, you know, it's very symbolic. This entire scene is full of symbolism up to the brim. And I love it. It's Alder's ultimate witch mic drop. Yes, it is. And thank God for Lynn, Renee. Renelle. Her acting was incredible. And thank you, Circumstance, for saving Nicta's life. So Nicta lives, guys. She lives. Nicta lives. Nicta lives. She's too sexy to die, which is what I screamed at the television the first time I watched this. So, yay. <laughs> really? I can see it. And I the did. dogs are like, what? <laughs> it's like, you can't kill Mom's her. Mom's yelling. And they didn't. Because oh thank you. Gosh. Thank you, Sappho. So we get Nicta. <laughs> But yeah, what a move. And what I don't truly understand about this, and maybe it's a witch law thing, is why this wasn't televised. Like, I figured this would be like the thing like Wade would want to broadcast to the country to be like, we're killing the spree leader. Watch it. I wondered that too, but then I thought, you know. It's for the best it I didn't happen. Just, but yeah, I figured they'd do it. Just, I think it's just that. It's not customary to show that, like, maybe it's not customary to show an execution, uh, like, on screen. They'll just say, hey, this happened. 
I mean, there hasn't the body. there hasn't been an execution in two hundred years, and they used to be in public forums. So, yeah, I don't know. It just I feel like Wade would want to publicize this, but it's for the I, would, I do too for but... the best. It was not. Oh well. Anyway, so after that execution, that wasn't an execution. We cut on over to somewhere in Fort Salem where. Penelope is being prepped for the interview, I guess, because it's like, the. I, I mean, the press is there. It's very weird. So the press is there, but they didn't watch the execution. Sure. But they're going to talk to Penelope because she's the vice president's daughter. And there's a dude fiddling with her uniform and he somehow pricks her while fiddling with her uniform. Somehow, mysteriously. And the dude says, oops, and it's Albin's voice, so that can't be good. And he leaves. And VP Silver comes in. And he's like, you know what? She's tough. She'll be fine. Get out of here. And VP Silver is the grossest human ever. And he's here to say goodbye to his daughter because he's trash and knows what's about to happen to her. And they make small talk. And he's basically like, well, thanks for talking to the press after all this stuff. Like, are you okay considering what the fuck just happened? And Penelope very confidently is like, yeah, like, there's no place I'd rather be. Because she found her place, she found her voice, and these are her people. And she's like, yeah, I'm with witches. I'm a witch. I, I, I'd i rather be here than anywhere else. And he starts crying because he's the devil. And she calls him out and is like, are you okay, father of mine? And he's like, yeah, mm-hmm, sure, I'm totes fine. I'm just super proud of you. I'm super proud of you. Like, which is double speak because he's proud of what she's about to become in the name of his cause. And he's like... I love you, Pen. Pet naming her, which makes me upset. And he hugs her one last time. And he's like, you're going to do great. Which is doublespeak. So and I hate disgusting. it. It's doublespeak. I hate it. I hate his doublespeak the whole time. Because like the first time I watched this and I didn't really know what was going on. I didn't catch Albin's voice the first time because I didn't memorize it. Because why would I? He, I was like, why is he so disproportionately sad? I'm like, something's about to happen to her. Because he is disproportionately upset about his daughter, whom he hasn't, like, shown a lick of, like, affection for this whole time. And he's suddenly upset. Like, something bad's about to happen to Penelope. And it does, because he's trash. And I hate it. Trash human. He's a dumpster fire of a human. He is. He's fucking awful, and I hate him. Justice for Penelope. Like, how the actual... Fuck, do you do this to your daughter, you giant? You do it when you disassociate the fact that your daughter's a human being. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he hasn't seen her as a human being in a very long time. And I think that he's upset in this last moment because he's like, you look like my daughter, yep. but you're not my daughter. And so, like, emotions come to the surface regardless. And he's like, he's like you're going to do great. He's like the collar. Yeah, I mean, basically... He's the anti-Christ yeah. Papa Collar. He is, because Papa Collar is just like, listen, Sola, I get that you're probably a criminal, but I don't give a fuck. Whatever, stay. <laughs> Fake gets with me. My daughter likes you, uh, so you're in. Yeah. Uh, we'll do a chore wheel. <laughs> exactly. Like, he, he sees the humanity in Scylla, regardless mm-hmm. of, like, look, you probably did bad stuff. Whatever. You're a human. You're a good human. That's fine by me. And the hair's... VP Silver being like, you look like my daughter, but you're an it, you're an other, and uh, you're gonna do great for the cause. Thanks for your service. And bye bye Yeah. Fuckhead. Fuckhead. Sorry. No. The um, accurate. Hate it. I hate it here. Uh, from that dumpster fire of a goodbye, 
We're going to go to the unit who is back in the common room next to the fireplace. Rael walks up, uh, putting her uniform shirt on, and she sits down and was like, has her hands together, and she's like, did we just change the world? Um, yes. Yes. So is the short answer. So Tally says, it feels like a start, doesn't it? And M turns around from the fireplace and they say, the question is, what happens next? And Abigail shoots right in there with her agenda. Next, we start focusing on our real enemy, the Camarilla. We're going to go kick some Camarilla ass. And then we switch to Sterling and Acacia, who wait, are obviously... Wait, before we leave, like, they're ta- having this conversation as if, like, they're going to go rogue and do whatever. Like, yeah. their language of this conversation is so weird. It's almost like Abigail's like, yep, we as a coven are just going to go do our own thing now. And, like, M agrees with them. And I'm like, what are you guys on right now? <laughs> because <laughs> you're part of the military. You can't just go do whatever. That's not how this works. No, but remember, <laughs> Abigail so thinks Petra's all cool with it. It's so weird. <laughs> but, like, the way the coven doesn't question her, they're like, okay, I guess we're doing whatever. Like, I mean, like, it's this whole, they're, it's so weird. It's so weird. It is weird. It's so weird. And it's like, <laughs> it's so weird. It's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> They're just high on this victory of saving the world. They're like, yeah, yeah we can do anything. You know, like that weird optimism. <laughs> Doesn't make sense. Yes. Yeah. It's weird. Well, I think Abigail's delusional oh, about oh, she her is. own absolute power to defeat the Camarilla in the first place. 1000%. But the fact that M jumps on this really quickly was weird mm-hmm. to me. Because I'm like, you of all people have been like in command for a while. You've been living in the rules, actually following the rules on like the unit. Like, you know, you could be like, girl, what are you talking about? We're like, we're going to do what our orders tell us next. Like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I found this conversation really weird. <laughs> weird it's and weird. like hi what are what are you guys on yeah what are you guys on you especially guys you Abigail. smoking the mycelium like what are you doing <laughs> smoking the mycelium <laughs> no that's libba um yeah <laughs> libba made an abigail bonfire in the mycelium. yeah pretty much <laughs> my tribute to my love yeah um. oh man because uh, she's anyway. given up any pretense at this point. No, never. Uh, so, <laughs> over to the Hets with a little bit of Anacostia and Sterling about to get it on. Seemingly. Um, but they are stopped when the power goes out. and so Or some far speech comes in. It's garbled. But Anacostia tries to make it out. And then the power goes out. And she tells Sterling to go run ahead. Uh, She's got, you know, she's just, you go and start doing the thing. I've got to do this alarm song. So I guess it's Anacostia's job to raise the alarm for the entire fort. I guess. Question mark. Yeah. Right. Okay, sure. (laughs) Sure. Back in the common room, Gregorio runs in and because every time anything happens, everyone is like, call her, we need a fixer. <laughs> Seriously. That's like the slogan. That should be like the tagline of this show. Call her, we need a fixer. Um, and she's like, okay, but why? What's going on? And he's like, I don't know. Let's just come out to the front steps. So they rush on out there and find a cadet who's bent over and grunting in pain. Like she's trying to get something out of her body. 
And then you've got black webbing going over her face and all that good stuff. And Raelle realizes what this is and is like, run. But nobody listens to her because nobody listens to Raelle. Well, she also doesn't say it loudly. It's like she's too afraid to get her yeah. voice to act. And she's like whispering, run. And there's like yeah. people like all kinds of like far away from her in that huddle. She True. didn't scream. It's like the people behind her didn't didn't do anything either. And I'm like, okay, guys. Um, yeah. No, so real. then she, when the cadet starts to vomit witch plague, Rail then screams, "Run!" Yeah. Then and they then run. everybody runs away, and we see the the witch plague spreading out in all the directions that the witches took to get away from it. So it's just going. And there, that's where the episode ends. High stakes. Yay! I hate that damn witch plague. I hate wonder how that plague. got there. It's a cliffhanger. It definitely is a cliffhanger. Cliffhanger? Yay. Elliot decides I'm going to end the season with part one. <laughs> yeah! What the fuck, Elliot? I love you, Elliot, but fuck you! Fuck you, Elliot! <laughs> We're not there yet, but I thought that was really funny when I saw the name of the episode. I was like, I know. What? Revolution (laughs) part one. one. Who does this? (laughs) No, sir. Yeah, I thought it was hilarious. But uh, yeah, we're we're doing some high stakes, guys. But gotta hate (sighs) the way the witch plague evolved so fucking quickly. I really hate it. Yeah, like it's on. It's on. Like I wish that I could evolve that quickly. Right? Can I have like my emotional state? in this episode evolved too quickly to be honest it's wild but ugh witch plague ugh witch plague that's the recap <laughs> ugh witch that's plague that's the recap um speaking of the recap here we go nicta is only giving up info to tally because she knows the truth will come out about sarah if she does uh, when Alder gets retired and Petra's the new head of the army, that means there's going to be an execution. Scylla continues to be a badass and has adapted Nicta's work to crows and uses it on more people than were in the forest with ease and doesn't get fatigued. They try to turn Rael into a show pony, but a trip to the other side shows her that she has far more important things to do in the world, like win a war. Tally studies, and it pays off, when she finds the key to stop Nicta's execution. Everyone else steps forward, Alder backs down, gives a stirring speech before witch mic dropping and departing. The feds are going to carry out Nicta's execution instead. And the Camarilla attack Fort Salem. Oh, and um, VP Silver is a dumpster fire of a human. The end. (sighs) The end indeed. But what an exciting way to end an episode. Stakes are high, guys. And Nick is the badass. So Nick is alive. That was my takeaway. Nick lives Mm -hmm. to fight another day. So, okay, who wins your award? Let's hear it. Tally Craven. <gasps> Me too! I mean, Tally Craven. Tally Craven. She Tally Craven. 
She brushed up on her law enough to understand her mm-hmm. legal rights for the right of proxy. She got the mother tongue right. She got the mother tongue right, too. She also doesn't have mycelium power, so she had to learn how to say mm-hmm. that rail and did it correctly. <laughs> and mostly... I can't believe we just called Rael out for having mycelium Rael's powers. a cheater. <laughs> Rael's a cheater. <laughs> I was a cheater. Tally had to fucking study with books, Rayo. You didn't have to do shit. <laughs> Except books. go to the other side and be traumatized by the ghost of her mother. Yeah, but she didn't learn any skills from that or actually fully get to process any of that. It's more like, a, oh, mom, wait, what? You're a mushroom? What the fuck? I'm the chosen one. That was that whole conversation. <laughs> Tally was in the library fucking studying, <laughs> learning le- le- laws of witches and how to speak mm-hmm. mother tongue. And she did. And also, you got to give it to Tally for not only bravely invoking the right of proxy being like, yeah, Nicta's bad, but you're gonna have to kill me now. Pretend that I'm Nicta, which is takes an insane amount of bravery. She strikes Alder first with the scourge, which was insane and very like not tally to be like, yeah, bitch, this is real. This is real. Come at me. Knowing she was going to get bested by Alder <laughs> because Alder kicks her ass in like 0.5 seconds. And by doing all this and rallying the witches, because Tally's empathetic and people would want to save Tally. And I think Tally kind of knew that. And she literally changed history by doing this. And also, for my sanity, she saved Nicta's life. So thank you, Tally Craven, for having the most big witch energy in this whole fucking episode and changing the world. That's big witch energy right there. That is. Huzzah. Huzzah. Go Tally Craven. Go Tally Craven. You're a badass. She is. Um, but also, I have to give a special mention award to Scylla Big Witch Energy Ramshorn for her continuing to invent work. Yep. And meeting up with her BFF from the woods. Yeah. Scylla would have gotten it if Tally didn't do all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Tally. Tally. But Tally was wins. the fucking hero. She's the hero. She cha- it literally changed the world. I know some people didn't like that she went so against Alder, but I was like, to me, it makes sense. Of course it makes sense. This is desperate times. Like, Tally Tally was in character this whole fucking time. None of this is out of character. None of it. None of it! So, good on you, Tally. You changed the world for better or worse. Hell Yeah. And, the f- and then everybody backed you up. The fuck you, the Laura Neal Award for this episode goes to VP Silver for being a fuckhead <laughs> and a character that behaved as if Laura Neal wrote for him. So he gets the Laura Neal Award, which that award and the character it is attributed to should be in the trash. So that's something new <laughs> that he won with spectacular fashion. If you. <laughs> If you win the Laura Neal Award on this podcast, you better just like just disappear. You should be in the you should be in the trash. Because you are the trash. You are the trash. You want a one way ticket to Nicta's jail cell. Yeah. So, but like, that's trash. No, I think they want a one way ticket to Scylla's jail cell in the Caribbean. Okay. Also, I was so confused <laughs> about like where the fuck Nicta was because she's in this jail cell that suddenly exists, but they didn't think to put Nicta in the torture chamber that Scylla was in. 
So here's my here's weird. my thing. They knew that this was going to be observed by other people, so they put her in the brig as opposed to putting her in Isadora's secret torture chamber because people aren't supposed to know that Scylla's there. That was my explanation for that. Yeah, maybe. I, I didn't know why they didn't, in and out of, like, the president being there, like, do some torture to, like, at least, like, when they were trying to interrogate Nicta, like, did you guys not try to interrogate her in the torture chamber? Like, wear her mental fortitude down a little bit before, like, sending that poor witch woman in there to just die? <laughs> I think they, they just... I don't know. I, I feel like that was under... Uh, like, maybe it's all they're underestimating Nicta, which is the whole theme of everything. But it seems weird. It's also... That this was arranged by Alder. Like, this was official, going through official channels. That's like, true. This is Nikta going into the actual official brig prison of Fort Salem, whereas Anacostia was arranging all of this other stuff on the DL. That's true. On the fly. That's true. That's true. I mean, they're both in the Necro Lab because when Tally goes into the cell, you see, like, the chamber mm-hmm. behind her where, like, Isadora did that experiment with Ra- with Rael and Abigail in those tubes that they were in, the witch bomb experiment. So it's it's definitely yeah. in the necro lab that they're in. I think it's just like different levels. Yeah, yeah, oh, for sure, know. for sure. I just found that really weird because I mean, part of part of war and things like that is like interrogation, and they didn't seem like they mm-hmm. really like interrogated Necta really. They're doing, like, the U.S. version of home interrogation where they can't really actually torture them unless it's on the DL. Yeah, it's true. And a black ops site. (laughs) I mean, Alder's committing war crimes left and right. (laughs) But anyway. Jesus Christ, Alder. I know. The cat's out of the bag there, Alder. Yeah. Anywho. Well, that's it. Yeah, that's a fun episode. One more episode. One One more. more. One more, guys. But don't worry, we have content coming out after that besides our recaps. Mm-hmm, we so. do. Fear not, Special friends. content. Special content. Love it. Yep. All right, guys. Woo! Until next time when we get into the finale. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see you later then. Hydrate for lesbian Jesus. Hydrate for lesbian Jesus. And with that, we've been Big Gay Energy. If you like this episode, check out all of our other episodes on whatever you're using to listen right now. And please subscribe and like all the things. If you happen to be listening on Apple, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review, no matter how brief. This is what Apple uses in their algorithm to uh, help us gain a wider audience. So please, please, please help us out. Yes, and please feel free to reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you about everything and anything. And if we like it, we'll probably give you a shout out on the air. You can find us at all the things Twitter at Big Gay Energy Pod, Tumblr, Big Gay Energy Pod, Instagram, Big Gay Energy Pod, or you can email us at biggayenergypod at gmail.com. Until next time, stay safe and hydrate for lesbian Jesus.